Alright, welcome to another episode of Not Investment Advice. We got the NAA boys, two of us here today, Trung, Van, me, Master Effects himself, and Bilal Zaidi. Unfortunately, Jack Butcher could not join us today. He's got food poisoning. I hope he doesn't mind us telling people that. Um, send your love and thoughts to him on Twitter. But we got a very special guest, David Senra, founder of Founders Podcast. Welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, as we were talking right before recording, first of all, I'm going to miss Jack because I'm a huge fan of his, but I'm also a huge fan of your podcast. Like it's excess. It's really hard to find like a new podcast to listen to. And I, as I was telling you guys, like, I'm pretty sure I just randomly discovered it through Trunk's tweets. Yeah. And what I love is the format. Like I've probably mm. listened to 20 or 30 hours of you guys talking. Right. That's and amazing. the idea was like, when people are like, Hey, you know, fundamentally both of our podcasts are the same in the sense that it's like, business audience, educational is like the reason, but you guys do a lot better job of like being entertaining and funny. Um, but what I love is like, I know you guys have guests on every once in a while, but this idea, which I think more people should copy because when people come to me and they're like, Hey, I want to start a new podcast. It's always the same shit. It's like, I want to interview entrepreneurs. Nothing wrong with that. There's just, everybody's doing it. The bajillion when, of them. Yeah. Yeah. And the idea it's like the same, th the same three people or the same two people or whatever, in my case, one person, uh, I just think more podcasts should be that. I know you guys throw in the occasional guest and you can bring in whoever you want as much as you want, but the 95% of the episodes that I've listened to of Not Investment Advice has been just you three. Oh, that's, that's awesome, man. So yeah, like, that's you're good like, to oh, know. cool guest. And you're like, oh, whatever. Like uh, Michael Siller, I've heard a million times. I don't need to be shilled Bitcoin uh, again you know, right now. <laughs> I, I definitely skipped over that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, David, actually, this is great because uh, I want two questions. So I'll start with the first one is, how confused were you in the first episode? I was like, yo, who is this Vietnamese guy? <laughs> no, no, no. I knew who you were because I went from not knowing who Trung Fan was to I can't get away from all his threads. And they're like, the whole thing about Twitter is uh, chasing you around the internet like a remarketing ad. They're just like, well, because you guys, have, you guys have talked a lot about like the basically we have like a perfect alignment. It's almost like I'm like the fourth member of NIA because I just agree. I, I promise it. I'm agreeing with almost everything you say. And you guys talk a lot about like the different audiences that you have on different platforms, right? And so uh, I heard Bilal say this too. It's like the difference you, you, the way you feel after you use Twitter compared to the way you feel after you use TikTok. Like, and I know me and Trung have talked about in private, like TikTok's a monster. Like they're dominating. And even me, like I use Twitter for distribution for people because there's a, my audience that are interested in founders podcast is definitely there, right? Ton of entrepreneurs, ton of investors, ton of executives. That makes perfect sense. But it makes me sad to use it. And Trung mm. is one of the few people, because Bilal mentioned this on a previous episode, it's like, what the fuck is up with these Twitter threads where it's like, there's, you know, 7 billion people on the planet and they don't know how to breathe or like whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. It's just like they're, they're it's really low uh, effort content. And that shit annoys me because like, in my sense, like every single episode of Founders Podcast, before I sit down to talk to the listener, I have to read an entire fucking book. Like yeah. that is the opposite of low effort. You know, it's excessively high effort at times. For and you, what I, like about I just want to say for people, because yeah. we're sorry, we didn't mention, we should have mentioned top. So David has done, I think, 250 episodes now? Two, two, uh, 280. He's there's done eight, 280. Thousand to on, go. Thousand yeah. to go. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> so he has a mission to do like 1280 or 1300. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to never stop. Like, no, okay. I will he stop just recording. says for pe people who don't know, that's your finish. That's your last line, which I love. Yeah. I want so to talk about this after as well, but go on. Well, that's actually, we can jump right into it real quick. And I want to come back to the fact that I actually like Trung's threats. 
like I learn a ton. Like me and him, I was texting him the other day about the uh, the sriracha guy. Like that's my favorite one. <laughs> like, so, yeah, yeah, it's fucking incredible. Um, the the so the, the what I put at the end, I was like, okay, like I just did. I'm doing a two part series on Kobe Bryant right now, right? That'll that'll come out in the next couple of days, and I think that's like you know two seventy two or two seventy three. I have some like a bunch of unnumbered bonus episodes. But anyways, so what I'll do is like. That's 273 books down, 1,000 to go. It's not people like, oh, you're going to stop at 1,273. It's like, no, if you listen to them, I've been saying 1,000 to go for hundreds of episodes. It's Jeff Bezos. I've been pretty confused. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you were like, is he not doing the math here? What's going like, on? Bro, what do you mean you have 1,000? I just listened to 113 and 212 and you, well, are you moving the goalposts or what's going on? <laughs> so that's, I, it's my version of Jeff Bezos's day one idea. Yeah. Yeah, which yeah. I know I was just listening to an episode uh, on the drive yesterday where you guys talk about <laughs> when one of the times Jeff Bezos and Steve Jobs met at the in the conference center for the uh, or in the like the hotel by the Air, San Francisco airport for the Segway. <laughs> and that that the way Steve approaches meetings is consistent because I've read like a dozen books on Steve. I have like, you know, almost 20 something episodes like on or about people that work with him, but that he, like the way he like big, big brothered Jeff Bezos. Um, but anyways, the point is Je- Jeff has this great idea where it's like, it's always day one and day one of the internet. He's been writing about that in his shareholder letters forever. In fact, when they built the new um, Amazon headquarters, the main building is called day one. And his whole point is just like, once you get to day two, it's like stasis, irrelevance yes. and then death. Exactly. So it's like, the way I look at it is uh, I stole this from Conor McGregor and I repeat it on the, the um, podcast all the time because it comes up in all these biographies I'm reading. It's like a lot of people, they start, they start something, they get really good at it and then they, they confuse themselves and they're like, oh, I'm great. And it's like, no, no, people pay attention to you because the work that you put in. And you see this in fighting with Conor McGregor. He says, if you go to sleep on a win, you wake up with a loss. And so that at the end, even though I'm saying it out loud to you, the listener, it's a reminder to me. It's like, okay, you did 273 books. Who gives a fuck? You got a thousand more to go. And you did 274, you still got a thousand more to go. Like you cannot go to sleep on a win or you're going to wake up with a loss. All right. So you're not bad at math. Like we're just confirming that. <laughs> I am bad at math, actually. <laughs> you can do basic <laughs> arithmetic. Well, actually, yeah. so David, you mentioned that you didn't listen to our Sailor episode. Well, Sailor just said this on a many podcasts, but you literally echoed like the main takeaway. Like the reason I even got him onto the podcast was mm-hmm. he talks about this one idea that, listen, he's got a lot of ideas and some are just absolutely out there and sugar cube powered Teslas yeah. is not one yeah. right. sugar cube powered Tesla and like we just like we uh, if you watch the video just for huge comedy he's like we couldn't we couldn't even respond we were unable <laughs> to respond but uh no but his thing was basically if you are the best at what the world only wants to pay you for one thing the world only wants to know you for one thing as soon as you get good at one thing and you think you can do another he's so blunt he's like you can't because if you start doing that second thing, there's somebody hungrier than you more to lose and they don't give a shit. They're going to take whatever you were doing as soon as you lose focus. So like that was like the one thing from him from like a two hour plus chat. And I've heard him say that many times. So I specifically want to tee him up on that just well, for actually clipping. Trung, I, on that idea, I do, I do want to actually bring up one of the things I really like. So first of all, I think we kind of introduced what you do, but just to, clarify for people you should go yeah. subscribe to founders podcast it's been one of my favorite podcasts since i've started Amazing. listening to it recently I and you, it, I you, like you said you you read the biographies but not only that you often like watch the speeches you'll read all the shareholder letters and you'll summarize this stuff and and i was saying to trung uh, in private as well that 
for someone like me, I can listen to audiobooks, I can read books, but I can listen to podcasts like 10 times more than anything else. Like if someone's yeah. reading a book to me, it's difficult for me to take it in. But when you're talking about it, it's like you're my f- smart friend who's just really excited about this idea and we're at dinner and you're just telling me about all these cool ideas. <laughs> David, and so that's, Lau Lewis that's, that's, texting me. He's like, I cannot believe how excited David is about yeah, 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 He's like, yeah. this guy's so excited. So good. Uh, <laughs> that is, no, I'm glad you said that. And this is why I'm also going to miss uh, that Jack's not here because one thing I wanted to do as a fan of NIA is like, dude, I want to get on their podcast and I want to ask them how they think about their work, not just NIA, but everything that I know, Creator Lab, Trunks Newsletter, everything uh, Jack is doing with Visualized Value and all the other things because I'm on his email list too. So I like I see and read his stuff. Um, the reason that I wanted to bring that up is because I'm fascinated. And you guys talk about like the creator economy a lot on here, which is like, though I know it's the word we have to use, which is, I hate that word. Um, <laughs> But I Tell me like about it, bro. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> I like, started man, a gotta... podcast called Creator Lab before people were calling it uh, creators. So that's why um, I'm pissed so about it too. The reason is, is because I'm always fascinated. It's like how, when you, a person that creates it, and this comes up in the biographies over and over again, it's like, I want to know how they think about it. And you just hit on, people are like, hey, I loved, you know, episode whatever, 215 or whatever it is. It's like, to me, the, the, the original genesis behind the idea is like, hey, uh, it'd be kind of cool because uh, I'm a big fan of like one person podcasts, like Dan Carlin, favorite, my favorite podcaster. Hardcore ever. history. Uh, it's the greatest dude, podcast ever. It's not even a podcast. Ever. It's its own art form. He's the reason that I do it the way I do it with the one person, right? Uh, Bill Burr, Monday morning podcast has been going on. That's one of the longest running consecutive podcasts in history. Like he's been doing it for like 12, maybe 15, like from the beginning. And it's just a dude. When you listen to Bill Burr's Monday morning podcast, it's like, oh, this really funny friend of mine is just telling me the shit that's in his mind. And it's very like low um, production value. It's just like, it's completely authentic. Um, and so the way I think about founders is just like, the idea was like, hey, what if you could meet up? Because I do this shit, like if you were to have dinner with me, it's just like, I'm going to tell you about the stuff I'm reading and stuff I'm thinking about, right? So it's like, what if you could meet up with your friend who reads a lot once a week and he just tells you the shit he learned this week in the book that he read, right? Um, and then the way, the way I look at it is like, that was the, the main idea. And then as it progressed, I'm like, oh, this isn't, these aren't separate episodes. Like we have to use the word episodes because that's the, the, like the terminology within podcasting. Right. But to me, it's like right now, I think I have like 400 and some hours out there of content, of audio content. It's like one giant 400 hour long conversation on the history of entrepreneurship. That's why when you listen to it, it's just not like when I just did this, this, this uh, episode of Kobe Bryant, it didn't just keep it to Kobe. I'm like, Oh, Kobe said this. And that was like what John D. Rockefeller said. Or that's how this is what Michael Jordan thought about this. Or like, this is Sam Walton did the exact same shit. And so that's the whole thing is like tying this all together. And it's just like, it's not separate. Now I'm not going to drop a 400 hour audio file. So we well, it makes it easy if you just follow yeah. along in episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Until you redefine what an audio book looks like. Well, I was yeah. telling David that I'm listening to the Harry Truman uh, uh, autobiography of David McCullough. The yeah. audible, the audio book is 60 hours. I'm like at two X speed. It's still 30 hours. Like I'm never going to finish this thing. Yeah. But having said that you're 10 times that so you have 400 hours of audio. Yeah. And, and I, the, the one thing that I love about, and the fact is why, like I'm obsessed with podcasts, podcast, I'm obsessed with podcasts. I'm obsessed with podcasters. And I'm obsessed with like the business models of podcasting, which we could also talk about too, um, is because like in some degree, a lot of the people that they get so good at what they do that somebody wrote a book about their life, which is kind of crazy, right? It's a lot of them were also not only they start companies, but they started entire industries. And when I studied like the early railroad industry, 
uh, the early uh, technology industry in the San Francisco Bay Area, or the early automobile industry, or whatever it is, it's, I see that exact same thing with podcasting right now. I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. And then the same, what's fascinating too, is like the same personality types, right? You guys talked about this on one episode. I don't remember what you said, but I remember what I thought. I'm like, oh, that person that may be into like Web3 now or software as a service or AI or whatever, if they were American, living in America in 1900, they would migrate to Detroit and they'd be building cars, right? It's that same, it's just what is, what is the that, skill yeah. set and the industry that's booming right now where you just happen to be born in the place you're at. But and you're excited it, by that new stuff. Like uh, we call it like edge of the internet stuff, but really it's just technology. Well, actually let's ask David. So I've never heard you talk about the business of podcasts. Maybe I haven't listened to enough of your podcasts, but specifically. I, I, no, I cut one of them. So I had, um, I read masters of doom. I, I didn't mean, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to let me. No, no, the gaming, the gaming, the gaming, the uh, gaming book, right. About uh, the creators of doom, the game. Yes. So okay. um, when I read that book, it was fascinating because it's telling a, a very specific story, which is like you had these two founders, John Carmack and John Romero. John Carmack, they're both still operating today, but John Carmack, I think, became way more famous, right? And they were partners at one point and they had completely different philosophies on how to build a company. But what I was so interesting is like they didn't like working for other people. They were game designers in a company. Then they started selling their own games. They're like, okay, what's the business model of games? And they realized there's, there's a guy that approached them and he took an idea from another industry, which is the main point of founders, right? It's just like these history doesn't repeat human nature does. Like you think everything is new. And it's just, if you read a ton of history, which I probably read at least a thousand books on history by now, it's like, it's just the same story over and over again with different, like you just move out to the, the, the industries, you move out to people, you move out in some cases, like the, the place they are in the world. And so the guy's like, Hey, we're still, there was this industry uh, in the early software industry, right? Called shareware. And this worked in B2B sales, you'd write up a, a program, right? There was no like subscription software business at the time. So let's say you were a programmer in the 1970s and the 1970s, early 1980s, you had a program that would benefit somebody's business. You would put it on like a disc or a CD. They didn't even have CD ROM, so some kind of disc. Um, floppies, floppies. Or, or, yeah, and you could either give it away or you could download it. I can't remember the exact uh, mechanism there, but you give it away for free and you'd say, hey, if you like it, send me a check, here's my address. And you wouldn't believe how much money these people made in that, uh, with just that idea. So then they take that idea and they're like, okay, let's do that for games. This is John Carmack and, and John Romero and the person telling them about it. I forgot the guy's name. And they like, here's the game. If you like it, send me a check. No one sends checks, <laughs> like nobody. And they realized the gaming was completely different than B2B. And so their innovation, when they dropped Doom, right? The people that made Doom, Think about the, the expenses they had, right? They all, there was like six guys in their 20s. They had their computers, they ate pizza, they all lived in one house. The day they released Doom, what they would do is like, here's the first 15 levels for free. You could play it. If you want the, the next 30 or next 45, you have to pay us. They were bringing in, this is like early 1990s, if I'm not mistaken. They were bringing in 100, over $100,000 every day. No middlemen. Like we talk about direct to consumer, which is a huge theme. I think you guys talk about all the time. Like they were doing that 30 years ago, dude. And imagine being 21, 22, 23 years old. It's you and your bunch of buddies. You're sitting in a house. You have no expenses other than pizza and rent. And you're just $100,000 today. High margin. 90, 90, that's, that was their point. And so when I read that book, this is, I didn't know anything about podcasting. I was on episode 20, right? And I did like a 20 or 30 minute prologue or introduction of like, 
this is how this person makes money in podcasting. This is how they do it. I went and looked at all the main podcasters. Like, how how can I make this? At the time, it was just like a passion thing. I didn't even think I, I was like, I couldn't figure out how to do it as a living, right? Um, and so I've just, my, my point being is like, I've just been thinking about the business of podcasts every day for probably six years. So how has that evolved, David? Like what from when you first- Hold on, what are the, yeah, yeah. What are the conclusions? There's, a, there's an infinite number of ways. Like uh, I am the most bullish person on the biz. I'm like, so <laughs> I have to be careful what I say here because a lot of the conversations I have are in confidence. But if you do a podcast like Founders, um, like my friend Patrick, who does Invest Like the Best, me and him get along immediately because- and he understands it even more because he has one of the most valuable business podcasts in the world. Um, like if you could put, this is the thing. If you could put a valuation on the Patrick's podcast, which is invest like the best, it's an absolutely fantastic podcast. It would sound silly because it's just him and, you know, a small team and maybe two or three people to help him with it, interviewing people. I can't like go into some of the stuff that's confidential, but like, if you could value that the way you value other businesses, like you're talking about, a, it's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. And if when I say that to people, they're like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like people think I'm crazy. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Podcasts are the best, not just like the, the best they're fun to make and you can be assessed. They're the best businesses in the world. Wait, David, in hold on here. Let me tease this out. Okay. So right. people can understand like you can, when you, when you go Spotify, bought Joe Rogan for $200 million or for three years, people Licensed. can get that. Didn't like, buy. Yeah. yeah. They like, he owns it after three years. He gets it all back and do whatever he wants. He can choose to stay on the platform or go back and go to RSS feeds and go everywhere. So they, they, they had this exclusive for three years for whatever, 200 million call it. But you can kind of make, people can make sense of that because he's literally the biggest podcaster in the world, right? He's bigger than CNN. He's bigger than Fox. I think whatever, 11, 12 million an episode. That's yeah. the size of Fox, MSNBC and CNN combined. Combined. Right? Yeah. So People can uh, grasp that. And they're like three hours long, by yeah. the way, which is another thing on like depth versus just, yeah. you know, yeah. views. You know so what I, mean? I think so, that yeah. people can grasp. For a lay person that may not be as deep into the podcast game as you, can you tease out why? Maybe not necessarily investor, but invest like the best, but you, you touched on one point. The Any audience is so valuable. The audience is so valuable. Joe Rogan was a perfect example to bring up there because this ties into the conversation I had. Can I go run and get a book real quick? Yes. Give me one second. Let's do it. <laughs> we need uh, one of my favorite pod while he's he's gone. One of my favorite podcasts is the Ask Blog podcast. It's the Arsenal Askcast. It's called. And anytime like someone needs to go to the door or something, instead of like just editing out, they just play this going to the door music, and it's like, doo -doo 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 -doo, and it's like I don't know why they do it, but it just well, works. Like the Jack Benny, like ding, 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 yeah, 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 <laughs> exactly. And then they come back instead of just being like edited out. It's like kind of a funny little break. It's like okay. radio people. All right, David, Sorry. what book you got for us? <laughs> okay, so this, I, you couldn't have teed it up better. Okay, so this ties into the fact like, okay, um, what me and Patrick understand is like shows like Founders, uh, shows like Invest Like the Best. Arguably, I don't know who's in your audience, but I highly suspect it's very similar. It's like what people don't understand is you're making uh, educational content for the most successful people in the world. Okay, so that is where the, the shit gets real wild. Now, I'm going to tie this all into Joe Rogan too. Um, and some of the stuff I'm going to keep secret because I have a bunch of secrets, right? Because I think about this all the time. And it's, it's one of the main, you'll hear me repeat on the podcast all the time, bad boys move in silence. That's a maxim for <laughs> when you have an edge, shut 
A great philosopher up. said that, I think. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually Biggie Smalls. Yeah. I'm a yeah. huge hip hop fan. <laughs> and so let me just tell you this like, this happens all the time. Like, so I'm reading a book on Kobe Bryant. I'm not thinking he has this great thing. He's like, listen, the same dedication, the uh, practice I did, the learning from the greats, the singular focus. He's like, don't copy the what, copy the how. He's like, you're not trying to be the best basketball player in the world like I am, right? But you could take the same ideas that I'm applying to my craft and apply it to yours, which is a main theme of founders, right? So what I love is like Kobe Bryant's dad was in the NBA, right? And he is in many cases like the anti-Kobe. Like he would gamble, he would drink uh, a lot of alcohol, he'd do cocaine, he'd get arrested. They're Kobe's, living in Italy, right? They're living in Europe at the time. Uh, that, the, the time he got arrested happened in Philadelphia. But okay. Because of this behavior is why he got bounced from the NBA, okay. right? Because no one wants... The last season, and I talked about this in the episodes coming up, his last season in the NBA, he's 20 years old, he's into prime, but like he stayed out all night gambling, lost all his money, didn't have any money for a cab, and so missed the game. Imagine Kobe Goodness. Bryant doing that. Ima imagine Kobe doing well, that. This so, is the redeem team. I, I don't want to cut you off. Sorry. I mean, no, no, like, no. We, we'll talk it's about rappers, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm just saying, I think after you drop this story, we should talk about, cause it's on Netflix and a lot of people are watching it. The Kobe Bryant story from the redeem team is the complete opposite of what you just said. Yeah. He okay. said, I watched it and I took notes on the, to Bilal's point where like, I'm not only going to read the book. I, I watched the documentary, took notes on it and I included that into the podcast too. So what I was interesting is I'm reading this though. Right. So this is the note. That, so, this is a note I left on my, myself on this page, right? So I, what I do is like, I go through the books, I underline whatever pops out, like whatever I'm most excited to talk about or, or like something interesting, right? And then I immediately write on a post-it note, like what is what else pops in my mind? And I go, what, this is what the early days of an industry looks like. If it works, the numbers always get way, there's like 17 A's, way bigger. And what does that mean? <laughs> A few years, they could not believe that the Philadelphia 76ers signed Joe Bryant, right, which is Kobe's dad, to a contract making $300,000 a year. They're like, this is bullshit. This is it's never going to go higher. A few years before, the Chicago Bulls were struggling to, play, to pay Jerry Sloan $60,000 a year. So in a few years, it went from $60,000 to $300,000. They're like, this is just, it, it has to stop. How, like, they make that more, like, players make that oh. more to tie their shoes. Like, so what, when you study the early days of an industry, what you realize is like humans do the same shit over and over again. They say, oh, like one, they always think they're late. Like, oh, it's too late to be an NBA player. Or it's oh. And then the second thing is like, they always think the numbers can't possibly get bigger. You guys talk about football, soccer to Americans, football to, to Europeans all the time on the podcast. How much money like do the top football players make in the world? Like, Hundreds of millions, like their net worth is yeah, probably what hundreds of millions, whatever the yeah. number is. So why does this tie in together with Joe Rogan? So based on the kind of podcast I have and the people in the audience, I get, and this is why some of the stuff I can't talk about. It's like, I find myself in weird rooms and weird conversations, which is fantastic because you, you meet people. Like I met somebody the other day that I'm going to talk to you about right now. And there's a great biography. My, one of my favorite autobiographies, this guy named Ed Thorpe. Ed Thorpe uh, invented the first quantitative hedge fund. Uh, uh, created the first wearable computer with Claude Shannon. I'm not going to, I've talked about him on a million podcasts, so I don't have to like go over it here. But what was interesting to me is that it, when Ed Thorpe, who's also an investor, he, he has dinner with Warren Buffett. They're both in their late 30s. So they're like our age now, right? And he leaves the dinner and he tell, Ed Thorpe tells his wife, he goes, that man's going to be the richest man in America one day. Like called it. He winds up buying Berkshire, starts buying Berkshire shares at like $900 a share. 
right? He's the first LP in Citadel. Like Ed Thorpe is just an amazing person. Um, it's episode, I think, 222 of Founders if people want to learn more. But I had an experience like this the other, like, the other day where I get to meet somebody because directly result of the podcast. Uh, I can't say who it is. He's got an alien brain. I left, I call my wife and I go, I don't know what this dude's going to do because he's young. He's in his early thirties. I go, but he could do whatever he wants. And if he gets in the right situation, he's going to be the richest person. Like he's going to be one of the richest people around. And what's interesting is like, he's managing a ton of money, like tens of billions of dollars. Right. And he's behind a name brand that everybody knows, but I can't say. So when I was talking to him, I asked him the question. I was like, listen, you have an unbelievable amount of money. Your network is fucking ridiculous. Your brand name, no one's going to say no to you. So I go, I don't have any questions about what you're investing in, right? Because I'm not going to understand that shit anyways. But I want to know who tells you no. And he told me this story where there was a guy that came to him and that said, hey, uh, I have $80 million. I have, seven, I have 75 to $80 million. I want to give it to you to invest. And this other guy's like, like, he's like, I don't like want your money, but I want to know where you got the money. And the guy's like, oh, he has a private company. He goes, the last few years, he has a private company he has 100% of that is in like a no-name industry that makes like, uh, products for other businesses. Okay, let's just put it that way. He goes, that's just been my personal dividend every year for the last few years. So this guy's living in, the middle, I think the Midwest America, if I'm not mistaken. I, I might get the details wrong, but I'm, I'm not getting the details wrong about, yeah, I paid myself 75 million in dividends last year, 75 million the year before, 80 million, 75 million over and over and over again. And so the guy I'm talking to is like, all right, I'm, I don't want to, he goes, I want to buy into your company. And that guy who owns 100% of the company told him no. So that's the answer to your question. And so that wind up happening like two hours into our, our very long conversation. And I reference it like an hour later. And I'm like, listen, you just said it was super impressive, right? Because everybody always wants to know, like, why the hell are you so obsessed with podcasts? Like, you're, you sound like a fucking freak. Like, this, this doesn't make any sense. And I go, you just got done saying that you thought it was very impressive that and you so much so that you wanted to buy into the company if you could of a of a private company making seventy five million dollars a year. How much do you think Joe Rogan makes on his podcast? I go look, man. Before he went over to Spotify, he it was a team. It was him, Jamie, and they had one other guy. They were doing one hundred ninety million downloads a month, right? And so you can figure out, and some of this is public, right? And some of it's private. But like you can figure out, it, you can find out what Joe charges for an ad. You can see what's his ad load. You can multiply that number. Then you can add, then you know what Spotify paid him, right? And then you start adding this up and the number reported are different. You can, if you really want this information, there's ways to find it, is what I'm saying. But even if I'm shooting high, if you factor in the shows Joe sells out, how much Spotify pays them, the ad revenue, the fact that they launch other businesses they own a part of, like on it just sold for, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars, whatever the case is. It's like, it's not unrealistic that Joe is going to be making 50, let's, let's just call it 50 million a year from his podcast right? That's now. That's because he's got the largest audience now, right? Do you think that repeat, like you think in the future, if you're at the beginning of an industry, there's, you're going to have a bunch of other podcasts that eventually get to 10 million, 8 million, 12 million. There is going to be no limit to how big they can get because what's your, what's your, what's the market constrained by, right? How many people speak your English or speak your language, which as you see with Mr. Beast, there's already people are, emailing me saying, Hey, I'm going to dub and basically take founders, put it in Spanish is the first one we're doing. Right. Then Mandarin, then all this other stuff. So like that playbooks we run. What is the size of the audience? Well, how many people? And so when I think about founders, people think I'm fucking crazy with how big I think I can get. I'm like, well, 
how many people are connected to the internet, speak English, and are interested in entrepreneurship. That's a giant fucking number. I think it Bilal is a giant totally number. agrees because I know Bilal <laughs> is a huge part. Bilal, thoughts on everything David said? No, I mean, I, I love know. it. I was just like listening attentively there because I, first of all, love the energy of it. And I know like I'm very bullish on podcasting overall. I will say like most things, there's going to be a distribution, obviously. And like right now, the distribution is like very skewed towards the top 0.1% like most things but i think it's even more skewed right now mainly because because youtube hasn't done what i think it should be doing and hasn't i was actually just talking to someone at youtube about it two days ago because they're working on trying to get more people to find and discover podcasts through youtube and uh, right now the discoverability problem of of most podcasts is still limiting what it could be in my opinion for like the kind of mid tail but I 100% agree. If you just think of like influence, depth, uh, you know, time spent. And, you know, like even on my tiny scale, when I meet people, you know, at events or on the street sometimes, and they're, oh, I heard your podcast about this. They'll tell me stuff so specific that I'm like, I don't even remember me saying that. What you? Yeah. Like someone was like, oh, I know you ate two meals a day. That's fine. I'm like, what? When did I <laughs> mention that? You know, or like That's your dad worked cool, in man. KFC. You know, That's and totally I'm like, you're right to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so, like, I completely agree with what you're saying. Um, but, yeah, I th I'd love to hear you kind of expand on that a little bit. And, and I'm curious to get your... Go, go on, Trunk, you no, go I first. Say, I want to question. jump on something that Bilal said. The, so, Bilal does bring up a good point, David. I know you're a student <laughs> in podcasts. This is the reality, though. If you look at the top 20 podcasts today, and then go back 10 years, they're kind of similar-ish. The top ones are still the top ones, right? You have NPR. You have Bill Simmons. You have Joe Rogan. And a, lot, a bunch of comedy ones. So they've, like the top of the top, but I think what's interesting, I would love to hear the contrarian take here, not necessarily contrarian, but like disabuse me of the notion that the top 10, 15, 20 hasn't really changed and that this is still infinite opportunity and everybody that has the wherewithal and the, the temperament for it should consider it. Okay, so this ties into a book that I know you guys have talked about on the episode where you talk about your favorite books and podcasts, the AMA episode, and why. Um, also, I said I was a big fan of Jack because it's one of the most important books, and I'm essentially just running the playbook. And it's the uh, Almanac Naval by our friend Eric Jorgensen. Me, we us three were talking about our friend Eric. We got to get back to that. We were talking about it before we started recording. We got to get back to that because he, what he's doing, he, the series that he's doing, like this idea is like take the distilled knowledge of of really unique thinkers and put them into book form is a, a genius idea. And for him to do it, like he starts with Naval, then he's doing, I always call him Balaji. How do you say his name? Balaji, I think. Yeah, I think. Oh, yeah. So Balaji, like, I think. But if yeah. you talk to Eric and I'm going on his podcast again tomorrow and I talk to him all the time, it's like, oh, that's just step one and step two. And like, he can do this for the rest of his life and it's like going to start compounding. But one thing is like, one of the most important things in that book and obviously Jack did fantastic uh, illustrations for it and something that i have everywhere it's on my phone it's on my computer to remind why like i work on founder seven days a week uh, i don't allow myself to do anything else it's like there's a line in that book that says being at the extreme in your art is very important in the age of leverage power laws rule everything around us and most people don't even know what the fuck they are right and so like the best book to read on this is peter Thiel's zero to one like he's going to talk about it over and over again there's a great quote 
I have uh, like 20,000 highlights from all the books that I store. So I have also like a secret weapon. So I can pull this up right now while you guys are talking. And this is what Peter said. If you do start your own company, you must remember the power law to operate it well. The most important things are singular. One market will probably be better than all others. One distribution strategy usually dominates all others too. So none of like anything that's going to be value, valuable in podcasting or otherwise, like you have to aggregate people's, like people have to like it, right? There's a reason why Joe Rogan's is the most valuable podcast in the world because over you know, 12 years or however long he's been doing it, almost 2000 episodes, like his media compounds, right? And so like he never interrupted the compound. But this is the same advice that like a Charlie Munger or Warren Buffett would give you. Um, so there are, but there are podcasts that are relatively newer, right? That are not 10 years old. They're like, look at the top podcasts in the business category, right? Um, one of them, I copied the format. So I got the format from, for Founders Podcast on this podcast from Jocko. It's called the Jocko Podcast. It is like always in the top category in business, top 10 podcasts. There's probably, he's probably got millions of people listening to him, right? And before he launched his podcast, he didn't even have social media. He was in the Navy SEALs. He goes on Tim Ferriss's podcast. Tim's like, yo, you should start a podcast. Then he goes on Joe Rogan's podcast. He, Joe's like, you should start a podcast. He's like, well, if you, if you two are telling me, I should obviously do this. And so that's a relatively, like he's been doing it, I think every week for like five years. So they do take a long time to grow, but like you can always get in there as long as you're not copying. Like that's why I think Wait, what which you guys- Which part of his format did you borrow? Because I know he does book reviews. So that exactly that. Like if you go okay. to his, his early episodes, he still does it now. I mean, he's obviously busy and we could talk about the business model podcast because what Jocko's doing is clearly the future. It, it, ties, it, ties into, it ties into what you guys discovered of Ryan Reynolds, which I fucking loved. Jack broke it down. And again, of course, he's really great at like simplifying things down to like, it's most important. But he said, um, like with the Ryan Reynolds thing, he's like, he talked about the, the, the soccer team he bought or whatever, right? Yeah, uh, um, Rexham, Rexham FC. It's like, think about from Ryan Reynolds' perspective, like you got to like, like you have an agent and then there's a company that wants you to endorse something and you got to go back and forth with agree on how much it costs. Uh, here's what we want you to say. Or Ryan could just cut all that out and say, hey, uh, I'll just buy the thing and then I'll talk about it and the value will go up. That is the end state for podcasts. That's exactly what you're seeing Mr. Beast do. Like, all these creator-led brands, I fucking hate that word, but let's go with it because people understand it's like, that's the end state, right? And so why do I think like a podcast like Patrick's or like mine? Well, because like the people, look at the people advertising on our podcast, right? They are enterprise, they're, they're, they build products for businesses. Every single person that pays to advertise on founders is building products for founders, right? And so their lifetime value of a customer is unbelievable. And like the, the sweater I'm wearing, these guys, I had to wear this because this is a acquired podcast, my friends, David and Ben. And I told David I was coming on here and they're like, Hey, tell them I'll come on their podcast, by the way. Uh, I was I like, dude, I'm going to wear your sweater. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah, we should definitely have them. Yeah, we like, I like their podcast. Yeah, well, they're down to come on. Uh, so yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we've had a long, a lot of conversations, uh, cause there's a lot of overlap between founders, founders and, and acquire. Um, but you know, and they help shape my thinking on this as well, where it's just like, the people advertising are, have excessively long, uh, like high lifetime value of a customer. They pay an unbelievable amount to, to get to the uh, very valuable audience, right? But high net worth decision makers is essentially like if you're the founder of a company listening to founders and you hear me talk about something, you don't have to go and ask Barbara from HR or Joe, Joe from accounting. You're like, hey, we're going to use this. 
Like Barbara, you're a fucking decision you. maker. Barbara, we love you, <laughs> but <laughs> we're cutting you out of this ad buying process. You're you're the decision maker. And so so my point is just like, what could you do? Well, like anything you want. Like, what did Joe Rogan do for on it? He knew his the people that are listening to Joe Rogan, they're really into fitness or really into supplements. So it's like, yeah, I could go read an ad read for a supplement company. Or we'll get to I'll tie this into Jocko right now. Or I could just start my own supplement company. I could come in and say, and I'm not mistaken, the deal was like, he gets, I think, 30% equity. He's like, I come in for 30% equity, right? I get you your first 20,000 fucking customers. You run the business, you build it up over a long period of time. And then when there's an exit, you, I get a fat check for 50 or $75 million. Like you're already seeing the playbook is already there. So what does Jocko do, right? Uh, Jocko, go listen to the end of his podcast. He doesn't take ads. Every single thing that he talks about, right, is a company that he owns. So it started out, I'm going to start a podcast because he was a best-selling author. So I want to sell books. So then he writes one book. Then he writes two books. Then he writes a series of children's books. The guy, has, I have like five of his books in my house spread out everywhere. Um, but so the guy wrote probably like 15 books, right? Uh, he, he had a business that did uh, leadership consulting, right? You know this. Uh, you guys are... MBA, it's a classic. CFA. It's a classic Navy SEAL, former general. Uh, McChrystal did one, and uh, how I'm much sure do you think? One. How much do you think these Fortune 500 companies are paying them to show up for a week? It's easily six figures, easily. Bang. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. it's echelon front uh, um, consulting business skyrockets, right? And now that they've heard him talk for hours, like I, I have an opportunity where I'm doing this too. Where like I'm going to meet this guy. They're paying the, the CEO of a company that has like 200 billion dollars worth of assets under management. He fucking loves my podcast. He's like, I just want an hour of your time and I want you to talk to my team. And they pay you whatever you ask for. You know what I mean? So like, but go back to Jocko. So he sells books, right? Uh, continues to, then he starts his own publishing company, right? Then he does oh, uh, leadership consulting for Fortune 500 companies. He, he, the story he told was hilarious. He's like, I want this book out by Christmas. They're like, it's impossible. He goes, I'll do it. So his publisher says, he's like, that's like, I really like, like his ethos in general. Um, but I just love that idea. So then uh, then he has these other conference businesses, right? Which is like the muster, which is, it's like $2,000, $3,000 a ticket. There's like, it's in a weekend. I think he sells like 500 tickets, something like that. You wake up at 4.30 in the morning, have like this group exercise class. And then during the day, it's leadership training, right? So then it goes on. Then he starts selling his own energy drink. Jocko, go. You go anywhere. <laughs> like you go to Wawa. Go to, go to, yeah, exactly. Go to Wawa. They're in there. You go to HEB in Texas. They're in there. You go to, uh, I think they just started, started selling them at Walmart. Then he's really into jujitsu. So he talks about jujitsu all the time on his, his podcast. So then he starts uh, making American made geese, right? For jujitsu. Then they're like, Hey, cause he's ex-military. He's like super pro. Like let's, let's reshore and have like manufacturing. He's like, it's fucked up what they did. They, took our manufacturing base and they moved it because he's from new England. They moved out of new England and other places. They put it to China or other places just so they could, the, the owners of the company can make a couple percentage points more. So then he has a mission. He's like, we're going to bring manufacturing back. So he makes jeans, work, uh, work boots, jeans, flannels, uh, hunting, like every single thing that he's into, which is what, you know, all the creators do. He's just like, okay, I'll just do it myself. And exactly what Jack said about Ryan, he goes, I'll just buy the thing or start the thing. And then I'll talk about it. And the value will go up. So, what mm. is the economic? Sorry, and uh, I'll, I'll. No, no, I just stop. want to say it is a. I want to go back to your original point about Naval. It yeah. is so prescient. The what is leveraged in the twenty first century: code, capital, and media. 
like that. I remember that thread. I remember the, I remember specifically I, I ran a blog and the original name is one And after <laughs> I read Naval's thread, I just changed it to a trunk fan. I'm like, you yep. want to like, he says it right there. He's like, who has the most leverage people that put their name on it? Why does Oprah, why is Oprah worth $5 billion? Because she's willing to lose her reputation and her name. People know that because her name's on it, that they trust her instinctively. Right? And she's done some crazy shit, man. Like if you look at the top 20 most successful Oprah uh, episodes based on like uh, views, they're crazy clickbait. Like they used, married, it used like, to be like Jerry Springer shit back dude, in the day. It's yeah. insane. It's like, oh, I married like my cousin, and like, uh, oh, uh, I, I just, uh, I'm, I, I got engaged to a serial killer, like that type of stuff, right? And but the whole point is like, you, all that gets washed away because people, people just trust her. So she obviously was like decades before like, everything Rogan and Jago and these people are doing. Like she, like, I mean, to your point, history just repeats itself. Oprah was already doing this shit decades ago, right? So she has her own network. She oh, not even that. Jimmy Buffett, like <laughs> Jimmy Buffett makes 50 million a year, right? The, the, the number I pulled out, I didn't get that from anywhere. It's like, cause you read a breakdown of Jimmy Buffett. And it's just like, Oh, he had a group. Like he plays music. Obviously there's a group of fans. It compounds over time. And then he just like, he started selling his own weed. Like he's got strains of weed <laughs> that are named after his songs. It's fucking genius. Like he has hotels, he has all the credit, like restaurants, all sorts of stuff. So my point being is like why I start talking crazy and people think David, you're fucking crazy. And I love that they think that because I know I'm still early is like what I just said. Like if Jocko's podcast is the one that launched all these businesses and some of these businesses, he's raised 30, $40 million from like, these are going to be very valuable businesses, right? How much money would a, would a company have to pay to have a distribution channel like that? And you're telling me that, yeah, he can't sell his podcast because it's him. Right. But you're telling me that that podcast is not going to be responsible for hundreds of millions of dollars of his net worth, assuming that he survives and he keeps it going. You're out of your fucking mind. You were absolutely wrong about that. Therefore, his podcast is worth hundreds of millions of dollars. Love it. Fair. Love it. Okay, can I ask a very specific question? I wanted to ask you about this because you think about podcasting as much as anyone. So I mentioned it a little bit earlier, but specifically as it relates to Jocko, I think personally, without knowing as much about his story as you do, YouTube probably played a big part in his growth, right? Is that right? Like he has a pretty good following on youtube as well he also went on rogan rogan's has yeah, a massive he's got, influence he's got on clips from on that have been viewed over 10 million times yeah which is incredible and like he's and he's also first of all first and foremost he's a great podcaster right like he has a good product he, he's festival, a, so he, it's not, again go back to the vaulting like being at the extreme in your art is very important to each leverage yeah. there's one jocko like there's one exactly. david goggins there's one there's one you can't that's why i keep saying he's like guys why are you starting another interview entrepreneur podcast like that's been done, dude. Fine. The podcast is a medium. It is not a thing. It could be whatever the fuck you want. It could be yeah. some weird guy with a giant head like myself that reads all the time telling you about what he reads. <laughs> like there's a million different things that you could do. Just experiment. Yeah. And dude, everybody's like, like founders has been growing really rapidly, like the last few months, especially, but like, they didn't see that. Like I've been doing it since 2016 and no one knew about it. Yeah. So now when people discover it, right. They're like, what the fuck? There's almost 300 episodes they it's like they they and you'll see this on twitter i get emails and messages they're like oh they, it's not that they don't listen to one they're like i listen to one and another one and, and yeah. then with they go for like 10 15 20 hours and by the time somebody just like you guys me for you guys just like by the time somebody listens to you for 20 hours you have a van you have a super like a fan is going because what happened is like i don't listen to or i actually watch nia 
it's always on YouTube. I, I don't watch NIA and then like cover my mouth and keep it a secret. It's I tell people, like, I send the, the link. Hey, like, I sent that Virgil thing that I tweeted at Trung the other day. When you, it was one of your early episodes. I think it was like episode 17. Yeah, dude, I, I'll be honest. I could not believe you pulled that out. My like, damn, that was an OG episode. Like I didn't. Because I've been listening <laughs> or watching. But my point is, it's like, I can't tell you how many times I've sent that to so many people just because I'm like, dude, listen to these guys break down his, uh, the, like, and then how he learned how to do it. And like the, the change 2% and like all that shit. Um, and so that's what happened. And then what happens if you keep doing it over and over again and you never quit, then instead of having 10, at the beginning, you'll have 10 people sharing your stuff. Then, you know, a little bit longer. Now you'll have thousands. And then eventually it's just, in Joe Rogan's case, millions of people spreading his content for free. 100%. And then, sorry, just to, to follow up on that point, kind of what I was saying before, how do you specifically think about YouTube for your future podcast plans? And I'm curious, is it just more, I want to put clips up there. I need to create a video experience that's as good as the audio experience. Like, I'm just curious to get your take on that because personally, I think YouTube is the biggest growth driver for the, you know, future proof in your like discoverability and um, reach, but it's not made right now for podcasts. And you're basically competing with a 10 minute video from Mr. Beast where they spent $5 million and they've taken every single thing out. And the, the algorithm is all about retention and watch time. And so like, right, I was speaking to them this week about that there's there's npr and these massive podcasts who get millions of downloads on audio they put on youtube and they get literally 300 views and yeah. the reason for that is because the way the algorithm works is not designed for a two-hour piece of audio content so i'm just curious how you think about that kind of like looking forward <laughs> for the for the listeners dave just like stroked his chin <laughs> he's about to go in he's, no no he, <laughs> um i've been so, thinking about this guy's four and a half years every no, single no, day no, no so um a lot of this information i don't even know so like the good thing is if just like trunk right like i consider trunk an expert like one of the things in the kobe bryant book and that happens a expert. lot <laughs> is no 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 but like uh kobe is always talking about like the importance of like identifying your weaknesses and then constantly finding people that that fix those weaknesses and so he had like a defensive weakness he couldn't figure out so what does he do he goes and grabs gary payton and gary and gary he's like gary how do i like he calls it like moving your puppies or something like that like basically like how do you slip through screens and all the shit they talked about in the book but like the benefit of having a podcast that um that people get value out of is you can ask for help and usually those people are like world class so like i mean the first time me and trung ever talked we talked for like two hours on the phone, right? We have like the awesome. same interests. We have the same mentality, but like Trung is just schooling me on the game. Cause it's like, I don't know shit about Twitter threads. I don't know anything about LinkedIn. I don't like, I have all these atomic pieces of content. Trung, what should I do with them? And like, because like we, like I listen to his podcast, he listens to mine. He's just gives like the amount of how much would people pay? If Trung put that in a course, what he told me in an hour, right? Literally you, you should pay thousands of dollars for it because that's, it's worth that. Like his fucking knowledge on how to gain attention on these two platforms in particular like if done well think about all the doors and opportunities that have been opened up because you figured out how to get attention on twitter like yeah. you're talking about million your, your twitter feed is worth millions of dollars even if you can't technically sell it, you know so uh yesterday i had a long conversation like two hours i can't say who it is but he's a general manager of a podcast that is gigantic everybody knows who it is 
what the podcast well, is. To, I just want to say this. The fact that the podcast has a GM is when you know it's big, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Joe yeah, Rogan okay. ain't got a GM on his podcast, but uh, I'm, so, get, I'm just going to throw it out there. Can I, I'm not, I'm not going to say it, but I'm guessing. No, no, I'm, I, I'm not going to say anything. I'm yeah. not like, yeah, don't even have a reaction. Okay. Like, Actually, yeah. yo, here, uh, I'm just going to, I'll melt it to Bilal. Well, talk no, about, I'll tell you, I'll tell you I, I, off screen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but point is, it's like, and then Real they, G's moving silence like lasagna. That's another hip hop line for you. Yeah. To just let you know, I got the original reference. <laughs> and so I don't have a YouTube strategy. I don't even have a presence there. I am going there. And that is one of the reasons I wanted to talk to this person. So let's just put it that okay. way. And they are as bullish as you are below. So um, I have some other weird things that I have ideas of. I told Trung where, and I'll share this because I don't think it, I tell people and they don't do it. So it's whatever. Um, I just had this weird thing where I was like, okay, I understand why everybody does clips because it makes sense. You guys already have the video. You could hire somebody at, you know, five or $10,000 a month and they'll do like, I, I get these emails all the time. Like, they're like, let me oh, clip yeah. your show. I'm like, I'm like, what? I don't even have a video. I will have video because I'm building a studio and I have other ideas I want to do. And I may just do it in like, I have a soundproof phone booth that I actually record in. It's actually stuck because I'm moving. The reason like we had this conversation before we started where <laughs> like, I just had a weird 48 hours. I literally stopped moving. 30 minutes before we got on this call. But uh, my, it's, it's so difficult to like take apart. You have to hire a company that does it because <laughs> it's like soundproof and everything and they can't get here. So I'm recording out in the middle of like my living room right now. It sounds still um, good though. Don't worry, man. That sounds good, dude. <laughs> I appreciate that. So even then, like I might just do a video in that booth because when I make TikToks, um, everybody's like, it leaves comments. They're like, why does it look like this guy is laying on the floor? Because it, it's like, it's soundproof. It's like, I did it because the the audio quality. So, anyways, what I realized is like, okay, in you learn history, like you study history, it's like, oh, we're just mimetic, like we just copy each other, like we don't actually think, we just copy, and we can think about a handful of things, but we can't think about everything, so we have to copy. I copy too. I'm not immune to that. And so I talked to a bunch of other podcasters. I'm like, everybody saw how important YouTube clips allow. I'm going to answer your question in a long roundabout way. Like, why did what was Joe Rogan's primary growth mechanism? It wasn't his RSS feed. It was the fact that yes. He interviewed celebrities or people that had large followings in some cases, and they would tweet, here's this new episode, and that, that makes a big difference. Or they, they Instagram, it, that makes a big difference, right? But he said at one point, I think he was getting like 50% of his downloads from YouTube. And a huge driver of that was not only the full episodes on YouTube, but he was doing clips. He's one of the first people, a big podcast to do clips. And he was one of the first podcasts to actually do video. At the beginning, they didn't consider if you did video for a podcast, they had like specific definitions like oh it's not a podcast it's the internet show or whatever that has completely disappeared like anybody even bring that up and so at what what happens everybody starts doing clips makes sense okay if you have you guys are videoing this why not like yes go pay somebody to do it or whatever do it yourself we have it. Yes, i know you have it we, me and you have talked about we, me and chung talked about this because i was like bro i got a ton of ideas for you and so um because there's ideas even though i know you guys cover like current affairs and current events and news there is like evergreen shit in your back catalog the the virgil design thing is one of them. that yeah that part on ryan reynolds that's one of them like that's valuable if you listen to it now or you listen to it two years from now so anyways i'm talking about like like okay why are you guys doing clips and like oh because that's how you grow and then i'll ask like it has to be it has to right but i'm like how many sh new podcasts have you discovered through a clip and every single person i've asked that question like no like where do you find other podcasts like from other podcasts are my friends tell me right? Those are the primary growth of podcasts. It's, it's 
they build cult-like followings and people in a cult won't shut up about it. Whether it's CrossFit, veganism, Dude, that's Scientology. a great point, Ashley. I, Ash, you're 100% right. Anything I've picked up recently has been word of mouth. Yes. Ah, Definitely word of mouth point. is always the number one, yeah. I will say, so, just, to, just to add to your point, though, I will say, speaking to other people, that clips have helped them like get in front of new people, but specifically when they've built... Like Trung, who's built a great Twitter following, or Andrew Schultz was doing, I mean, he's been doing podcasts for ages, but he has an Instagram following where most people just know him for like his Instagram funny little things. Then they'll put in the clips and then people are like, oh, I didn't realize you have a podcast. And they, and like if a hundred people see it, three of them might go subscribe. So it's just it, all upper funnel like awareness, nuanced. essentially. What yeah. I'm saying, uh, what I, it's very like, I'm not saying they're not valuable. I'm saying like, what is the reason they're doing it? And for people they're like, yeah. Hey, I want more people to listen to the full episodes. That is the reason for a podcast. Right. And so I'm like, okay, yes, it has to. It is like, but my point was like, okay, I'm going to test other shit because again, we're in the very beginning of a new industry. Like there is way more unknown unknowns than known knowns in this industry. Like for sure. So like, let's experiment. So I told Trung this idea. I was like, okay, well, I don't have any clips because I don't record video yet, but I have like, crazy like i have this database of twenty thousand highlights from you know 100 i've read a hundred thousand pages 200 something books like that's insane i can repurpose that and so you've seen me do that on twitter and those things kill on twitter like my twitter following has doubled in the last month like i'm getting millions and millions of views i have no business doing that considering i only have you know i think eighteen thousand followers or something like that but i had like half that you know 45 days ago or whatever it was um and so like the the, the amount of impressions i'm getting and the, the growth like that will clearly like compound and I'll never be as big as Trung or maybe even Jack, but like, I'll be bigger than I am now. Right. You might, and man, it, you might, bro. But Trung's like, dude, start doing threads. Like, and he's even like, oh, two to you. I'm like, bro, you know how much, like, I have notes. I'm not kidding. Trung before we knew each other. one of my notes to do was like DM Trung, offer him $5,000 to write a Twitter for that. <laughs> I swear to God. Well, like, dude, yeah. I mean, it, this is what you're saying is like, you understand. I've seen those, the clips you have from Readwise, I believe those little quotes yeah. you put on your Twitter. Yeah. So, you know, he, basically every single one of those could be a thread because you could narrow, you could turn it into a three uh, act narrative, right? Yes. Uh, because you have all the context and, but those are, I mean, uh, and you've talked about going to TikTok because actually you see a lot of like viral TikTok stuff. People rip me on TikTok. It's like very simple. Yeah, they you do the green screen the and they're showing done, right? your tweet. Yeah, and the yeah. narratives uh, or also they could just do nice graphics, but like, because the, so like the one thing I'll say about it is like, I get like, we talked about on the phone and talked with Bilal also. People just don't understand because tweets and threads have gotten such a bad name, but people have, yeah, I get it. But like, man, uh, blogs as a medium or newsletters as a medium. Yeah. There's shit, anything, right? There's shit podcasts There's shit videos. Like it doesn't matter about the medium is like how it's used. And the Twitter threads are getting abused. It's what Twitter incentivizes, but people have no idea how much effort I put into a Twitter thread. I do. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but it's right. obvious. Like it's, that's why I always say it's like, you're, that's why I didn't do them because I've written a couple in the past. I'm like, Oh, this is terrible because I'm seeing what Trung can do now, as opposed to I'm sure your first three, like anything. Like yeah, your yeah, second, you just third, get better. Yeah. Like even now, you're on episode what seventy? How many episodes have you guys done? Uh, I think what eighty it, it something. Eighty two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, but we, including the like, episode zero, eighty three. So yeah. Yeah. So like, <laughs> they all count. My, I go back and listen to them. I'm like, and I, I'm I'm shocked that people even like it because I I hear it. I'm like, episode seventy three sucks, dude. I got to reread oh. that book. But it's it sucks. It doesn't suck by itself. It sucks compared to what you can do now. I'm almost three hundred. Yeah. Right. Just like three hundred is gonna suck when I get to three thousand. So it's like anything else. Um. What I wanted to tie that together is like, so what I experimented with was like, okay, 
let's let me just go directly to what I want them to do. I want them to see this TikTok. I want them to see this tweet. I want them to see whatever piece of content I'm doing. And I want them to follow me in the podcast player, right? That's all you if you want. look yeah. at what, if you look at Trung's posts on LinkedIn, it's all the same. It's like, listen, I'm glad you like this. That's how I got your attention. But what I really want you to do is follow my newsletter, right? Subscribe to my newsletter. So the podcast version is just like, dude, here's my pod link, just follow. And then from there, the podcast will do all the work and, and convert them, right? And so what I did, and I told Trung this, I was like, dude, the same shit I put on Twitter, right? Uh, our LinkedIn too. Um, I just film myself in my little booth, my little soundproof booth that I don't have today. I just film myself reading that quote from the book or from whatever, right? So I did one on Mark Andreessen. I did, Mark Andreessen is super famous now. He invented, the. a lot of people credit him with inventing the Twitter thread, which he called a tweet storm. And I don't know if you remember this is years ago. I do remember this. Yeah, and so way before he was, and why did he do that? Because everybody knows he invented the first widely used uh, web browser. They know him from A16Z and all this other stuff. But what I didn't know, right? And I'm a huge fan of his, is he was a prolific blogger. So for like four or five years, he wrote a blog and you can download, he took it off the internet, but if you go to his website on A16Z, you can download his blog archive. So they put a PDF, it's a 200 page PDF of his best post, right? I read that in June, 2018, if I'm not mistaken, right? It's episode 50 of Founders. I read it. I did a podcast on the 200 pages and, and stuff. People love that episode. I don't know why. I, it's because it's Mark. Most likely. My point being is like, I went and found an old highlight from literally, it's a paragraph from the show notes of that episode, which comes from an idea that Mark had. I filmed myself 10 minutes from the time I, I set up my iPhone, record myself reading, hey, Mark Andres is a billionaire investor and invented a web browser or whatever. Here's what he said about X. I don't even remember what I said at this point. And I read it, right? Took, then I, at the end of like the 20 or 30 seconds, I go, hey, if you want more, I read his 200 page blog archive and I did an episode on the key ideas. Go listen to episode 50. How that did was it drive? How did it convert? Hundreds of thousands of views. And it, it gave me the most downloads on a single really? day that did, not, that did not have a new episode. Oh, new reach. So, right, right, right. Wow. You can yeah. go back. So that was my point. But my point is, it's like, it's not just enough of, hey, let's copy what other podcasts are doing. Let's think, why are we doing this? We're not doing this. The problem is a lot of people put up clips and a vast majority are just watching the clips and never going to your podcast, right? Yeah. But your CPMs, and I don't sell on a CPM basis, but like the, the reason podcasts are valuable is because people will pay more for a podcast ad than a YouTube ad or than some other ad on another, like the, the amount of money on, on on like per content basis, like podcasts have extremely high ad rates. It's basically a long-winded way of what I'm saying. So it is my interest to get them the fuck off TikTok or Twitter or anything else. And it's in their interest because I legitimately think it's impossible to listen to founders and not be better at your work. Like this is history's greatest entrepreneurs. You think Agreed. they spent 60, you think they spent 60 years building a company right. and discovered nothing that was valuable? You're fucking crazy. Like you're just that's fucking nonsense. So my point being is like it's not, hey, what is everybody else doing? It's like, what am I trying to do? I just want more people to listen to founders. And so on tr anything I'm going to do, people are like, hey, but you make TikToks, hey, you make tweets. I don't give a fuck about any of that. I care about podcasts as a yeah, medium. Same. And so that's the way it's like, so that was one of the secrets where it's just like, dude, it's one thing to put a clip up there, but if you just look at the camera and say, hey, if you want more, go here. And then you guys can go in your dashboard and see, did that result? When I pushed them to a, a, a podcast I did four years ago, did the download spike or not? And you know, how do you know it's working? Because the downloads on that episode went up. Yeah, yeah. 100%. there's something I had pinned here. I want to circle back quickly. And then I, I know uh, we could probably head on to some individuals uh, because 
you did give secrets. You said you weren't going to give secrets. You're just giving out worth of secrets. No, well I, well, I told those people, like I've told even you, like Trung would kill on TikTok because he's funny. I'm not funny. Trung like has me dying laughing. Like, and that's one thing I like about NIA. You guys laugh. Like, it's not like we're super serious. It's like, yeah, yeah, I have yeah. another I- idea for you. I wanted to convince you guys to do this daily. Laugh like, track? Laugh track? No, no. Like, you know, <laughs> you know Dan Levitard? Yeah. Okay, so like he's got a sports show, but it's like not really a sport. It's a, it's tangentially about sports, but it's like funny and they have like memes, like meme of the week, fun fact fam, all this other shit. And it's like, yo, all in, and look what happened. I think DraftKings or somebody like that just paid him 50 million for his podcast, like just for the be the presenting sponsor. I go, listen, how much money does CNBC make? Right. And their audience is relatively small. Like Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee, you know, has a daily <laughs> sports show. His his contract, I think, is thirty million a year. With um, I, I forgot to one of these gambling people. But like, I'm like, so when I see shit like this, I'm like, okay, somebody's going to do that. It's like fuck, ESPN Sports Center. Like we're in suit. It's like no, an authentic sports show, right? With just Pat McAfee or Dan Lebertard, right? Some of it's like goofy and funny. I go, somebody needs to do that for business. And yes. if they do it for business, it's going to be a podcast. It's going to be available in podcast form, and it's going to be available on YouTube. Somebody's going to crack that. They're going to do an hour or two hour show every day. And probably a and live stream. And, well, and Microsoft and Microsoft or Salesforce or some other giant enterprise company is going to come around and say, Hey, I'll give you 20 million a year to be your presenting sponsor. That is, David, it, this that is, is I, fucking inevitable. Let me, let me, let me do a David Senra remove here from the founders podcast and just keep calling back to things we talked about. You yeah, just say, no, I called you the human Rome research when you were, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. you're the human Rome research for the listeners or viewers that they don't know. Rome is like, there's no taking tool that they, they do backlinks. So everything is linked. You like link David. all the ideas. Yeah. So David said earlier, I'm pulling a David move here. Yeah. This reminds me of uh, 30 minutes ago on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so David said, what makes his type of content invested like the best so powerful? It's you're making content for the, most valuable decision makers in the world, right? But this is the value of CNBC. And even though no one watches and actually listens to CNBC, it's on all the time on every single trading floor. Any corporate office is just on, right? Yep. It's just there. And this is why Jack Welch bought NBC Universal. He's like, I love, I have to have CNBC. <laughs> I, I'm reading a I'm reading a book called Lights Out right now. It's about GE and the downfall of General Electric. And I yeah. did just have the whole part about uh, CNBC. And Jack Welch is like, I need to have CNBC. <laughs> uh, but to your point, the problem with CNBC is this. And I, 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 I probably blacklisted myself from CNBC because I put a tweet out. I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, I made fun of how I prepared for a segment. And they haven't asked me back since. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, the segment basically said... Uh, uh, how to prepare for CNBC. And what I'd done was they'd asked me to come on and all these shows, uh, old cable shows. I mean, they're not, it's listen, CNBC is a monster, but the email me is like, Hey, we need to know your five positions on this topic. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, five positions. Like I, I have no positions. Like, yeah, we need it though. Because whatever your positions are, we're going to find something to do the opposite, right? Classic yeah. cable Fox news. Like, well, let's just get these guys bannering and no real information yeah. is actually exchanged. And so I actually did something where I just like Googled online. It was actually an old NIA episode. Somebody clipped it. And then I'm like, oh, screwed. I, I, I took that clip where I basically said I Googled the answer and then yeah. I went on. And that's literally what I happened. It. I Googled the answer, read the first paragraph verbatim. 
just like regurgitated it on air, but it sounded really good doing it. <laughs> but then I combined those clips and uh, I haven't been back on ZME since. That so, was good. That, that um, was a great live guys, visual as well. But yeah. you guys no. are a news source. Like I don't pay attention to like, all I do is read old books because that's my edge, right? If I'm saying, yeah. hey, being at the extreme of my art in the age of infinite leverage, I can't, there can't be like Dave founders by David Center and then like, you know, something kind of close to it. Like I yeah. have to go so fucking deep and spend all of my time and not like Eric Jorgensen, we got to get to him because we're all friends with him. And he always texts me and like, he's like a hype man. He's hilarious. Cause like, <laughs> he's just a super nice dude. And it's crazy. Cause like, I, I read his book and loved it before I knew who he was and before we were friends. But he's like, dude, you're the most focused person I know. Cause this is just like, Hey, do X. I'm like, I'm not doing anything but founders. Like I'm not fucking doing anything because why? And I tell him, I go, because it's your book. Your book is the one that gave me that idea. Like I have to be in the extreme. You can't to Michael Saylor's point, which again, I'm never going to watch the interview. So I have to take your, uh, your, uh, your word for it. But like, he is right in the sense that like, it's arrogant to think that you can compete and be the best in the world at something, which is Naval's whole point that keep redefining what you do until you're the best in the world at it. And like the internet has massively broadened what constitutes a career. And still most people don't know that. Right. So like I keep narr narrowing it and being extremely narrow to where it's like, listen, I don't care about anything else. I don't care about current events. I'm not jumping in anything, but I have to have the world's best podcast in the history of entrepreneurship. Luckily, there's not very many podcasts on the history of entrepreneurship anyways. So it's not like I have a bunch of competition. But my point is like, I look at NIA as like, you guys are a news source. Like, I don't know anything that's going on in the world. I watch you guys every week and I learn all kinds of crazy shit. Like I know nothing about Web3, but Jack knows a fucking ton of it. So like all that shit that happens, I'll remember you guys talk to the dude and he was, he was that's the one interview I watched the, the Tom guy who sold the rock for like a million dollars. Oh, Tom yeah, Osmond. Tom Osmond. Yeah, Legendary episode. So, yeah. So that episode is fantastic because he mentioned this, um, this fantastic, uh, it's in the show notes of your show, if I'm not mistaken, but it's, uh, this, it's this post called aliens, Jedi. And, um, Oh yeah. You know, uh, Rick, Rick Burton, he talked about, uh, a strike. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Rick is, okay. That's a different Burton, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Rick okay. Burton, both he's a, both with the well. e foundation and, uh, he had written about, uh, and Stripe, uh meeting yeah. Vitalik and meeting, uh, Patrick Collison okay. and the Collison hey. brothers. Okay. That you're right. That's what I found out. Uh, Rick, Richard Burton is on medium. It's aliens, Jedi and cults, a mental model for potential. Incredible. Like, article but my point is like i would have never found that if i wasn't watching your show now i send that i send that essay like i as if i wrote it i don't like i like here i obviously send rick's link but it's just like i've sent it to so many freaking people because Ooh. that's exactly the same shit that's that line. he said he walked out of the meeting the calls and brothers like these guys will be billionaires yeah that's exactly the, what he said the the exact same uh like ideas that he realized from being early in all these very important internet uh movements i see in like the history of entrepreneurship it's the same idea um and so my point being is just like you guys, I think uh, my first million is another candidate for this. It's just like somebody's gonna nail the funny, like cat. Like you're, I'm, I'm laughing while I'm watching NIA, but I'm learning. And if you guys did that every day, and I'm telling you, like that, that's gonna happen because you already see it on, like cable. Like it's you're already seeing something. It just needs to be internet native by people that are actually internet native. You three are internet native as a motherfucker. David, I will let you in on a little secret. Thanks for all that feedback, first of all. But I will say we have talked about it. And we've talked about doing a live stream. Like like maybe this is maybe a year ago, though, like nine months ago. We talked about, oh, maybe we can do a live stream same time every day. And like maybe it'll be a short show, but we can like pull in all the stuff we're doing. It's complete. 
but the way you described it was even better, which was just like comparing it to like a TV show. We won't even think of it like that. Or no, just um, what you guys do but, now. Yeah, but, but just doing every it. Day. Every and day. In yeah, the beginning, yeah. I guarantee you can find a presenting sponsor. You can go, like I, I have some companies in mind that like that might work. Um, but even if not, like, okay, so you started out, right? And I don't know your workload. Like, it's easy for me to say, hey, go do a bunch of work. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, but like, but I, I was like, okay, so we'll just plug our own stuff. Like, plug your podcast, plug your newsletter, plug your, plug the courses, plug whatever, every single thing. Like, you guys do it like gingerly, you know? Like, that's the one thing I would do differently is like, I'm default aggressive. So I'd be like, you're listening to NIA for an hour. You better, you better be subscribed to my other yeah, show. Yeah. You better be following yeah, me on my email. I think like, we were saying like a pump your bag segment is like probably one we should just always have. <laughs> Even if it's a joke, like we can think well, of a funny one to just, plug. But. I'm, launching a, I'm launching a new private podcast feed that's related to something else I'm doing. And so like I'm doing, I've made individual episodes that I'm not selling ads on because I'm taking the ads for myself. And so yeah. I'm like, hey, this is, I just spent 15 hours reading this book. I made this thing. It's brought to you by me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Completely. Uh, David, I think you actually, uh, to Bilal's point, you probably appreciate why we actually decided not to do the daily. And we know that somebody will get a big bang yeah. doing that. It, it was a focus thing because yep. um, we, uh, we knew realistically we wouldn't probably be able to put the time in that it would require. Not to say that it won't never happen, but that's, that's what we decided a year ago. So, um, Holy crap, we've been talking about the podcast <laughs> for an hour. Yeah, I mean, this is why I know I, that, one of the things I love about your show is like you break down how other people are building businesses in the age of the internet. Yeah, like, dude, this is great. Yeah, this is very on brand. Um, I, I know Jor- we had to talk about Jorgensen. Wait, Blah, is that what you wanted? Because I actually wanted what? to uh, hit David up with a bunch of uh, a couple of his bio people. Yeah, and I was actually going to pull up. One quote, I only have one here from one of your pods, and we can then go into some of the ones yeah. we had in mind, like Bourdain, Jay-Z, and others. But it kind of comes back to both the point you guys were talking about, about focus. Michael Saylor's focus, David, what you're doing, like you're insanely focused. But I will say one that kind of resonated with me was in your Socrates episode. And um, it was something along the lines of this. You, you said, a champion wrestler became a well-known philosopher. Playwrights and historians became generals, and generals historians. Poets became statesmen and politicians, wrote plays. An architect might find uh, might found a colony, and a man who made lamps might rule the city. And like, what I loved about that was just as someone who's interested in many things, uh, and like, I, even if I look at my own career in life, like not just work, but just fun stuff, stuff I get obsessed by. I'm like, like both of you, I'm like very obsessive. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, I can see even just little chapters in my only 30-something years of living that I've had, like, four or five years. Like, I've done the podcast since 2015. And it's, to be honest, it's been, like, right in the beginning, I was, like, super motivated going ham. And then I took on another job and I I took a little seat back. Then I went ham again. And so I kind of do this, like, sprinting and and resting thing. Um, And then even in my personal life, there's, like, sports. I just get really crazy into it. And then... There was a time where I was writing and performing for f- a few years. So it's like, I'm curious as someone like yourself, who's insanely focused, wh- what was it that made you pull this thread out in the first place? Because I think a lot of people listening to this might kind of uh, find it interesting. So one thing I have to say, like, there's no like one size fits all. Like you have to like see, or not Steve, Charlie Munger has this great line where he's like, uh, follow your natural drift, right? Like be who you are. Like he knew he's like, he started practicing as an attorney, he's like, I fucking hate this. Like, I don't want clients. He's like, I'm not making any money. And so, so I, I say it's like, follow your energy. Right. And so I think there's a ton of people out there 
that would find just doing one thing for an ex- uh, uh, one thing for an incredibly long period of time unbelievably boring. And like that doesn't make sense for you to take advice from anybody, whether it be Socrates, Steve Jobs, or anybody in between. If it just doesn't, it, you have to apply it and like mold it to who you are. So I am an extra, an incredibly obsessive person, and I crave simplicity, right? And so um, the whole thing, Steve Jobs was was you guys pointed out where he's like, why the fuck do you have two versions of a of a Segway? He's like, have one. That came, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he said that his whole life. So like, there's this uh, this book called Insanely Simple, which is written by a guy that used to run advertising for Steve, and they call it getting hit hit with a simple stick. So like, he'd come to a meeting. And they'd be like, here, Steve, we have two different boxes for this product. And Steve's like, no, we don't. Like, we have one box. He's like, take that other box and throw it away. Right. And so, that, and another idea I learned from Steve is like, the further you get away from one, the more complexity you invite in. I don't want complexity. Like, I, I, I crave simplicity, and yet I make my life complex over and over again. I think all humans do. So, for me, it's just like, I want one thing I can pour all of my energy into, right? Everything. Um, but people like Socrates, I just did a two-part series on one of the, probably the most important American, uh, in, in the connection of science technology, this guy named Van Ever Bush. Yeah. I saw those. And, he he and, ran the and, war and, department. Of yeah, science, yeah. He was a founder of Raytheon. Uh, he was an inventor. Uh, he was, they said like, if any, if there's two Americans that died during world war II, that'd be the most detrimental to the, to the allied effort. The first one would be FDR and the second one would be Van Ever Bush. But he talked about this too. And my hero, Edwin Land, talked about this too, where it's like, even if you focus on one thing, don't be so narrowly, uh, narrowly, uh, like, uh, what's the word? Uh, starts with an S. Uh, Myopic or like, uh, no, it's like, um, inflexible stiff. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember the, the thing. Essentially, they're saying, hey, look at what Ben Franklin, they, they, both Edwin Land and Van Ingrid Bush would reference the same people. They're like, look at Leonardo da Vinci. Look at uh, uh, Ben Franklin. He's like, they knew a lot about a lot of things. And so even if like, like, like in Ben's case, like if he's building the first vertically media, uh, vertically integrated media company, he's also reading about politics and, and conducting science experiments. So it's like, be a broad person that is knowledgeable about a lot, uh, a lot of subjects, even if you're narrowly focused in your profession. Um, so I don't know if that answered, uh, Bilal's point, but I do think, uh, the, the smartest people and Steve Jobs talked about this. He's like, Michelangelo didn't just know how to sculpt. He knew a lot about quarry and stone. And like, it's like the idea of things. like uh, cross training for fitness, right. Is like, uh, this is why you have like the multi-sport almost like every quarterback, like basically play baseball too. It's like, it gives I you a different skill set. Tons of, uh, I mean, tons of, uh, uh, hall of fame level quarterbacks were like drafted in the MLB. Um, cross training, super important, but two things I want to talk about, uh, about Steve Jobs and focus is, uh, and you'll know both of these stories, but I think they're super relevant. First one was obviously when he came back, uh, when Apple bought next computing and he came back, Apple near bankruptcy. But the thing that he said that I thought the most important lesson from there. So there's a famous story where he goes into, you know, the whiteboard and he goes, guys, we're getting rid of all these product lines. We got way too many product lines. We're just doing four products. So yep. a two by two diagram, right. It's like consumer professional and then uh, a desktop and then laptop four products. You just do those quadrants. But the other thing that I found super fascinating was what goes exactly to your point. He's like, we can be an unprofitable $10 billion company, or we can be a profitable $6 billion company. I don't care if we lose revenue. I want us to focus because if we trim the business down, we can keep this thing going. 
And uh, the other one, which you like, uh, I saw the founders tweet like it was, uh, is Joni Ive talking about Steve Jobs and focus. And the very specific thing he said was this, is like, focus isn't like saying no to like, you mentioned a bunch of things like, hey, I have all these opportunities. I'm saying no to them. It's saying no to something that you really, really yep. want to do, right? It's like you, Joni Ive literally says, it's like with every bone in your body, you want to do something but you got to say no. And the way Steve used to hit these guys up is he knew a lot of them would have the like sacrificial nose where they pretend that they're giving yep. something up. And then Steve's like, no, 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 you don't really care about that. I need you to put something real on the table that you're going to chop. Right. Um, but real quick, let me just add one thing uh, yeah. because you brought it up. I was reading, rereading my notes from that speech that you're talking about when he came back to Apple in 97, because I think everybody talks about, Hey, we're going to focus our product line. Right. But if you listen to the words he said, He's like, we're going to innovate not only in product, we're going to innovate in marketing and in distribution. And so that third part, I have keep having the private conversations. This is like, people do not understand the innovation for products, especially selling to, to businesses or to founders, the innovation and distribution is podcasts. And it may be the most powerful like innovation, new innovation on how to sell a business product. Because if you have a founder, an executive, uh, somebody interested in startups, an investor. These are learning machines. These people learn, they dedicate so much more time to continuous learning than like the average person off the street. It's like not even fucking comparable, right? Dude, I and love how, that. And, yeah, and the reason, point. this is why I think audio is more important than video because these kind of people, right? They are not, they don't have the time to sit around and watch fucking videos all day, dude. They're listening to my podcast and your podcast when they're at the gym, when they're on the commute, when they're doing other shit. Yeah, they are not. That is so interesting, man. I love, dude. It's like you, like you, basically are describing the market segmentation for the top one percent of corporate America. How do these individuals consume? Right? It's like a version of you know how in most uh, families uh, the 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 mother or the mother partner, what the mother is is spending most of how however much income is coming to the family, right? Responsible, but like you're giving a version of that. Like, hey, this is the market you're going after. And not to say that everybody should want to or need to go after the market, but you're explaining why it's super valuable. And actually something that comes back to your math 30 minutes ago, uh, David mentioned masters <laughs> of doom, the book about the creation of doom, but you, you said that, uh, and I think this is so important. Uh, goes back to what you said two minutes ago. It's not just product innovation that people think about, right? You said it's distribution marketing, which is what Steve jobs said. But I think something so interesting is it goes exactly to the point of the iPhone. Was the iPhone an absolutely remarkable hardware, software, fusion, new product invention. Yes. But what was the actual reason it was able to become successful? This was Steve Ballmer's. Steve Ballmer's like, I got the iPhone wrong. When it came out, I said, there's no chance this could sell. Yeah. It's because it's 500 bucks. Is that I didn't understand that there was a mark. Uh, there was a go to market innovation and the go to market innovation was to work with the carriers. I completely missed that. So Steve job goes to the carriers and says, Hey, we're going to give you, exclusive access to the iPhone. You just need to subsidize it. And that's actually what Steve Ballmer says is the reason Apple was able to succeed versus all Microsoft's efforts. So, and I, would add one other, point. And, and I would add one other thing there. Um, you mentioned it earlier, like, Hey, just because there's a lot of shitty threads doesn't mean they're all shitty. That's a main idea from the history of entrepreneurship. If you study the life of Walt Disney and I'm, I'm rereading a 700 page biography of him. So it'll be an episode in probably like two or three weeks. And what was fascinating about Walt Disney is like everybody thinks, you know, he created one of the best media companies of all time. That library may be the most valuable content, arguably. Yeah, right. Most yeah. valuable content library in the world, I would argue. Uh, that's not, he's like, he's like, I'm proud of, proud of 
two things at the end of his life. Most proud of two things. I'm proud of starting my company, keeping control of it because his first company, he lost control and he went bankrupt, right? Which a lot of people don't know. And the second thing, he's like, I'm most proud of Disneyland, right? And there's a book called Disney's Land. So Disney's Land, I think it's like episode 150 or some shit like that. I don't even know. It's in the archive, but I'd read the book, even if you don't listen to the podcast, because it's all about how he thought about the creation of Disneyland. And his whole point was like, when he's building it, this the time, amusement parks, there was no such thing as like a Disneyland or Universal Studios. And then he goes, they were all like poorly, they were dirty. They were run by scam artists because they were like circus people, right? And so people kept going up to Walt Disney and they were like, why the hell um, are you, why the hell are you doing a, a, a amusement park? They're dirty places. And he's, his point was their mediocrity is my opportunity. And he goes, that's the point. Mine won't be. The opportunity is there. Everything out in the market right now sucks. Disneyland is not going to suck. Oh, that's such a great, because dude, that's so fascinating. It's amusement park, which is like the carnival stuff, but he made theme parks, right? That, that was the difference. He's like, I'm going to theme everything, bring it into the IP. And like you said, it's going to be way better than these amusement parks. And he thought like a, it was an ongoing movie you could always do. But the reason that came to mind with what you just said is because Steve Jobs arrived at the same conclusion. So yes, there was innovation on the carry level, but the Apple stores, like when, so I, I pulled up on my phone where you're talking, because this is what I was texting somebody yesterday. This is a direct quote from Steve from this, right? He goes, we have not kept up with innovations in our distribution. We will not only catch up where the best of the best, where the best of the best are in distribution, but we will be innovating and breaking new ground in distribution. And I'm telling you right fucking now, that's exactly what podcasts are doing for the people that I'm targeting, right? And so there's a, there's a story that happens before that where very similar gateway, remember? huge company. Oh yeah. Had all these stores when we were like kids or teenagers or whatever. Right. And at the time where Steve has this idea for Apple stores, gateway is closing them down. So they're like, Steve, what are you doing? Clearly this idea is not going to work because gateway couldn't make it work. And his whole point is like, there, there, there's no um, differentiation in the gateway products. They compete on price. He goes, I'm not competing on price. There's differentiation in the Apple product. And in the, the previous distribution channel, they would put a gateway computer, uh, or any kind of Windows computer next to an Apple. And that since they weren't Apple-owned salespeople, there was, no, there, there was no education. He's like, I need to control all this. So his innovation and distribution, which in my opinion is even more important than the carrier level, is Apple stores, which everybody told him, don't do it, don't do it, not going to work. And then what happened? It's the most, the, the most successful retail store in history. I think dollar they do the most- Dollar per square foot. Dollar per square yeah. foot. It's like, you know, you could go to a mall today, even today, everything else be fucking empty, Apple stores packed. And that's the whole point. It's like, don't just pay attention like fucking listen to what he's saying. These people are not like when he came and you, you said he was dropping gems when he was talking to Bezos and the Segway guy. He is like, if you fucking listen to him, he'll drop gems, right? And he's just like, okay, yeah, we're, of course we're going to innovate in, in our products because he says our, our products right now suck. He says there's, there's, there's no sex in them is the word. Yeah, he, that, like, that was the greatest line. <laughs> he's like, who the fuck? He's like, why would I do, you know, the Apple 6,000 compared to Apple 3,000? He's like, if I can't figure this out, how can customers figure it out? So yeah, it's a lot of common sense. But then it's like, Marketing. Marketing is about values. That's a quote from Steve Jobs. He's like, people don't buy. We're not going to fucking buy. I'm not going to say, hey, Apple, had, this is the speeds and the feats. He's like, this is what we believe in. And he says, he's like, we're just going to do what Nike does. Nike doesn't tell you how much souls, like what their, their soul, their shoe is. They celebrate great athletics. And he's like, so we're going to celebrate people that the most creative people in history, because we know if they were alive today, they would use Apple products. So again, it's, it's the whole thing. It's like product, marketing, and distribution. You could innovate in all of them. And the center of this discussion is in our podcast. My point is like, we haven't even touched, it's not even 1% of distribution 
for podcasts in themselves because you guys just said they're so fucking hard to grow. I never thought about this, dude. I uh, the, yeah, you just actually broke my mind thinking about uh, the, the 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 innovation potential as this of this as a distribution, and it all and it all goes back to everything. So why why is audio so effective, right? I mean, it was the original form of storytelling. It was, it was, oral societies. We, we didn't have the printing press until the 1400s. Right. And, um, I went on Jim's podcast. Yeah. I just said this. Cause it's like, I, and again, that was somebody else's idea where it's just like somebody wrote that newspaper. The tweet was newspapers are a fad. Uh, the, the, the village storyteller is as old as language, except now the, the, the campfire is the internet. And there's like 6 billion people. In the village. Yeah. I, I, he said it a lot better than I did, but that, that's essentially the thing. It's just like, Oh, since the invention of language, like the primary method of us communicating with each other has been verb, like verbal. Yep. hundred um, percent. You guys should have, um, you guys know Blake Robbins. I do know Blake. Uh, we've, we've tried have, about, he, he's really smart. <laughs> I'd have him on the podcast because he knows way more about a lot of the shit I'm regurgitating. I just learned from Blake. Um, Blake listens to founders too. And I've had an opportunity to talk to him and he's like super smart. He's on, the, he, he says the same stuff. You guys, he's like, he's on the edge of the internet, just like you guys are. He's way um, more edge though. I've seen some of his stuff. Like he's like he's, deep in Reddit's, Discords. Yeah, he's, yeah. And he's got a ton of ideas. And again, like the hour or two I spent talking to him, like how much would that cost? You know what I mean? Because you put out content that other people find valuable, they're just like, hey, like I've gotten value from listening to you. Like I'm willing to reciprocate. It's that it's one of the oldest like main themes of humans. Like if somebody does something for you, you feel the need to reciprocate to them. So, um. He's super smart. I, I try to get him on here if you could. Um, do you guys want to do some rapid fire? Uh, yeah, go for from it. Individuals, Bilal, did you want to talk? No, no, go for it. I said one. Okay. There were a few names that we mentioned before. Like my favorite. I mean, I haven't. I'm still working for all the catalog right now, David. But some of my favorite ones for people who are listening want to try them out. Bourdain's one I really, really loved. Also, because I just recently watched the documentary um, and I'm like in like travel mode a bit right yeah. now, and it's just like he represents food and travel and like adventure for me so like you know it's a great story and you did a great job of it i think the jay-z one is probably still my favorite uh just Dude, because i can't tell you how many people yeah. tell me about that one that hit, that <laughs> I was hit saying a nerve to, i was surprised oh yeah i was saying to trunk i mean i mean kind of is hard to touch right now with what's going <laughs> on but just but i mean i know you've referenced the kanye doc documentary which we've talked about on the pod before but just okay, like so it, i was having gone. that documentary um you I don't like doing, episode, I don't, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Cause, uh, <laughs> so, um, I, uh, <laughs> recently, like literally like a couple of days, I was like, fuck, I'm not touching that thing. This is why I like yeah. studying dead people. Cause they're way less controversial. Yeah, yeah. They can't yeah, get right? Well, uh, actually dead people still get canceled quite a bit, but at least you yeah, can but like, get a, but you kind of know what over. the lay of the land is. <laughs> there's, right? not, yeah. there's not like, I'm going to be like, here's the 10 leadership lessons of Hitler. or Some shit like that. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly. but like for, yeah. for most part, like they don't have like the intensity has died down. Um, I was having that that um, documentary transcribed the first two episodes because I think the first two episodes is the founder's Incredible. journey in two hours. So um, good. And so I was gonna I was gonna have it ha- have it transcribed and I was gonna use that instead of a book. I was gonna use that as a document to work off of. And I was like, bro, I'm not touching this. Like I, I can like I have yeah. literally like <laughs> I wish I could show you guys. I have hundreds I need, of books to get to. Like I can't. I'm not doing. That. I need yeah, to interject quickly. Yeah. Uh, you're a huge Bill Burr fan, as you mentioned, so am I. He was the last uh, live comedy act I saw pre-COVID, actually. And uh, if you guys, I know you'll know this reference, but uh, listeners, if you want to know why comedians uh, 
or the world's, uh, you know, society's truth tellers, go Google Bill Burr Hitler. <laughs> he has this bit about Hitler and everything he says is true. But yeah. the way we're supposed to think about Hitler is like, we can't, like, you'll be laughing and like, I can't believe yeah, he said you, that. I know. That's what makes it funny is that yeah. you're, yeah. you're like struggling shame, inside. Like, yeah. Listen, if you watch this guy on stage, the guy's an animal. Like, he's yeah. really good at what he does, which oh, is, God. Which is right. objectively true, right? Like, he, no, he rallied a nation to do something awful. It's because he was really good at that, right? And it's like, he wasn't, like, the Bill Burr bit is... It's so good, and you will. I'm still trying to take a deep gulp there. No, because I'm trying to think like how Bill yeah. Burr's able to communicate it, though, right? It's like I'm not oh, going mean, to justice, incredible. so I'm not going to touch it. It's like I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I'm just saying I think that bit will make you guys laugh and understand yeah. why comedians he, are the greatest truth tellers. The yeah. new, the new special he does where he's at Red Rocks and he does the abortion bit, and it's just like by the end of that bit, every side is pissed off. Like, yeah, yeah, every that's a Bill Burr special there. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just like, and his whole point is. It, a lot of it has to do with something that like i think knowing this i don't really care about the current affairs part of it but like tribalism is just deep in our nature and you i'm curious how to use it to to spread a product that i feel is valuable you know what i mean so like that's why i learn about this stuff uh, like interesting so it's just like how do you like uh one of the one of my favorite episodes that i've done i think it's episode 244 you guys got to listen to it it's it's on the founder of in and out right and I'm a East, like, I've lived on the East Coast. So it's like, not like, I understand they have a, you know, a cult following, but it's like, oh, this is, it, it, anytime you find this weird cult following, whether it's like a Ferrari, uh, a Polaroid, uh, an Apple, an in and out it is always traced back. Rolls Royce, I did the guy that the, the founding engineer of Rolls Royce, it is always traced back to this like relentless, obsessive of uh, building the best possible pro uh, product they can at. Yeah no matter the cost. And the reason the in and out thing is easy to understand is because everybody understands it's a lot easier to understand how to make a hamburger than it is how to make a Rolls Royce, right? And you just realize like at every turn when the rest of his industry is cutting corners, uh, lowering, like trying to, to make it less expensive and less quality, Harry Snyder's his name goes in the opposite direction. And that even though, and even the way he expanded, when he died, they only had 17, um, 17 restaurants. And now you fast forward his granddaughter is the one that's running the company now, like multiple generations. And I was just in California. Like I tried to go to In-N-Out twice or no, this is actually, this is, I was, I went to In-N-Out in San Francisco. Last time I was in LA, which is a couple months before that. I couldn't, the lines are too long. Just pack. Yeah. I just give up like with that. So what I think studying, like why are people so into what they're into? And unfortunately in Hitler's case, I've read a bunch of books about this. It's like, it's fucking crazy. Like they were murdering children. Like yeah. murder. I, there's a guy named uh, Ziggy Wilzig. He, his, his biography came out recently it, called Unstoppable and he survived Holocaust and there's stuff in that book like he watched his all of his nieces and, and uh, I think there were nieces and nephews like seven year old girls murdered it's like how the fuck does that happen well this is uh, I mean the if you can't draw lessons from what happened during that time period, then you're incapable of drawing any lessons. Right. And like the famous line from Solzhenitsyn, the Soviet author, and uh, we actually helped take down uh, communism from his writing. He's like the good and bad runs through every single person. That's the lesson, right? It's like normal, like what you think ethical civilians were all caught up in this mess. And it's what you said about the tribalism is like, 
Every single person is capable of this. This is what people need to understand. That's the scary part of World War II. That's the le- and the Vietnam War. My family's uh, case, right? Or uh, Bilal's family's from Pakistan. Like uh, when uh, when uh, the when uh, partition of India in forty seven, when India became an independent state, and then and yep. then I guess it was East or what, East, Pas- East Pakistan. Uh, yeah, East Bangladesh. Yeah, the, the yeah, perfect yeah. example. Of Kashmir, this. Yeah, everyone the, is capable of this. That's the entire point. This if, is why you need to study history. If we can get to. to positive after this yeah, we can get on the subject yeah. but like um me, me and you both love dan i heard you speak about it. dan carlin's it's new greatest, it's a great podcast the, the five-part series he did on the war between the imperial japan and, and yeah. china so Supernova the perfect example of what you just said is in every person there's evil and and uh good depending on their circumstances and, and where they're at um how does that that the entire series kicks off where this is guy in the 1970s in philippines right like people are walking by and he's sh- he's in the jungle or like in the in the like the forest or whatever and he's like shooting at regular people it's like what the hell's happening they realized that there was a japanese soldier that had landed on the philippines when he landed there they said no matter what you keep this fight up until like forever the right? emperor tells you it's over right yeah and and what ha- and, and how the podcast starts is they w- they would like drop in they would try to like they couldn't catch him so they like start dro- they figured out who he was they started dropping in newspapers and the newspaper saying like the war is over and like what you know this is 30 years later what the fuck are you doing and he didn't believe him he's like this is propaganda because the yeah. emperor said that we you can't take us alive what did they have to do they had to go and get his commanding officer who lived in japan this is like 20 years after the war ends right he lives in japan they show up and he is able to convince his former because he's their subordinate like he's the, the person in charge he convinces his former subordinate no this is true and like give up and that's the way they did it and so the same Dan talks about this, the same group of people that were, would kill the enemy soldiers, they'd cut off the enemy soldiers uh, hands at the wrist, the feet at the ankle and their their penis and their penis and balls. They'd put their hand, they'd sit the corpses down, they'd put their hands and your feet in your lap and your penis and your balls in your mouth. Yeah. That, those same people that were doing that 25 years later, you know where they found his commanding officer? He was a bookseller. Yeah. He was selling in one human life goes from mutilating dead bodies in war to selling your grandmother books. Totally. Exactly, man. That like again. That's why Dan Carlin's a master. That's why he's the best of the best. Exactly. He ties all that together. I'm like, oh shit. Human nature. Done deal. But the way he weaves a story is just incredible. So as you mentioned, we need to pull back in the positive land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah so, I want to cut that, bro. <laughs> yeah. no, we're keeping okay. it. We're keeping it. Um, one, why don't we do this to, uh, because you're definitely going to come back with Jack Butcher. Cause uh, I actually listening to your podcast, I think, and you probably seen Jack Butcher's famous, like Jack's most famous graphic that you're here, the chart that just compounds. It. It's, yeah. that, that's one of the greatest visuals. Like that's yeah. literally visualizing Valley, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's hit, uh, when we do this, we'll hit some rapid fire and it's going to be impossible for you to do, but I'm going to force you to do it. You need to give one lesson from these individuals. Okay. So we mentioned Jay-Z. Oh, one lesson for Jay-Z hit us. Oh, he hits it perfectly. Um, they, I talked about this in the Kobe documentary or Kobe, the Kobe episode that I uh, just recorded because like the worst advice you can give to somebody is be realistic. And okay. Kobe goes to a summer ball camp. He's 11 years old. The, and you have to fill out a form like, what are your career plans? And he put MBA and the counselor pulls him aside. He's like, listen, you know, it's one in a million. You need to pick something else. And Kobe's like, I'm that one in a million. And so with Jay-Z, it's like, if you were to go look, and he talks about in that book, 
you go and look at a 15 year old Jay Z, right? He's high school dropout. Uh, his dad, he has no dad. Uh, he's living in the projects. He's the youngest of four children. And you say, hey, in 30 years from now, you're gonna you're gonna get to the top of your profession of an industry that just started, which is the hip hop industry. You're gonna spat, you're gonna start and sell multiple companies for hundreds of millions of dollars. You're going to become a billionaire. You're going to marry one of the most beautiful women in the planet, and you're going to live in an $80 million house in Bel Air. You just got to hold on for 30 years. Like, no, that sounds, that sounds fictional. And so Jay-Z says, he goes, he goes it's, uh, we, it's the founder's journey. And really, it applies to founding a company, starting a podcast, doing, climbing a mountain, doing anything that's difficult, that is hard to do. He's like, it's the dream of being the exception. And it's like, unless you have that in you, you like from the, uh, this is why I say misfits only understand misfits. Founders only understand founders. It's like, unless you think like this, you're going to be seen as crazy from the outside. That counselor thought 11 year old Kobe Bryant was crazy. And Kobe was right. Yep. Mm, love that. This is to your point about, uh, again, bring it back. Everything gets tied with you, man. The Naval is like, be the best, be the absolute long tail in whatever you choose to do. Um, whatever you narrow and distill your life's like path in, this is again, not everyone has this temperament, right? Like you said, certain people do. I love that lesson. I got one for Bilal here. Episode 218. I can't even pronounce his name. Johan Kruth. Legendary yeah, yeah. Netherlands, a Dutch <laughs> soccer player, and then later coach. What is the legend? What I mean, so Bilal, I listened to that one can, as well. That was good. Man yeah. crush on uh, Kruf a bit. Uh, Bilal, uh, he's a, explain to the listeners. He's one of the biggest legends. Yeah, he's football. one of like legendary old school footballer. And then he also, I, I didn't actually know a lot of the stuff until I listened to that episode. Um, but just how much of the new stuff I've learned about, like tactical, advanced tactical play, that is basically prominent right now came from his book is it total football i think it's called yeah. or something it was it's like a whole entire philosophy it's a whole philosophy it's and an i think it's a system i guess is the way to think so about what's it what's the yeah. lesson what's yeah. the lesson um that is actually interesting one is that like some things are are a byproduct of like who your parents were right his dad worked as like a groundskeeper or something in the like he was essentially like getting in trouble when he was like five years old because he wouldn't stop kicking a soccer ball in school or a football whatever you guys call it right but so the, the, just the importance of practice that the dude was practicing all the time and whatever your craft is, you could find that. But like, so that is a lesson, but I feel that is a lesson that's applicable to almost across the board of anybody I've read about what the, really the, like how I think about it is it's like, what I took away from that is like the effect that you're going to have on your children. Right. And so he is writing that book 50 years after his father dies. And his father dies of cancer. I think he was like 45 years old. He died young, right? And so, um, and this happens a lot where it's easy. Like, I know, Trung, you have a kid. Bilal, you don't have kids, right? Not yet, right? Okay. So once you have kids, right? You can't believe, like, it's so obvious how much you love them, right? But you don't realize, like, so when I think of like my son or my daughter, I'm like, I just, I I fucking, like, I I quote Cormac McCarthy's book, uh, The Road, uh, which is Cormac McCarthy's my favorite fiction writer, American fiction writer. Um, and in the road, it's a, a, it's fundamentally a story about a father and son. It's a zombie and, apocalypse is the background, right? Yes. But it's really a, a relationship between a father and son, which is why Cormac's a, a master, but he, he, there's a line in there. I tell my daughter and my son's too young to understand. It's like, I was sent here by God to protect you. I will kill anybody that lays a hand on you. Like 
you, I tell my daughter, you, you, like, you say you love me. You have no idea that like love flows down the generations. Like I love you way more than you ever love me, yeah. but that does not to diminish how important the impact you can have on your kids. So for me, it's like, when I make a decision, it's like, I'm not trying to make a decision on based on what I'm going to do in my life. It's like, how does this affect my kids? Or in, in some cases, my grandkids aren't even born yet. Like, uh, and so Johan Cruyff was, or Cruyff, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Cruyff, Cruyff. Cruyff, thank you. Um, like he would go, like the impact that his father had. And so it's like, just when, if you make your decisions on like one, right now, our kids are too young, right? But at one day, they're going to be able to take the measure of the man. And when that point happens in my life, I want to make damn sure like they are impressed by what they see. You know what I mean? Like I want to take care of my health. I, love I, want, that. To, I want to educate myself as much as possible, get as smart as possible. I want to make as much money and not do dumb shit. I want to treat their mom correctly. I want to be as good a good a person as I can. I want when they get older, like my dad's a bad motherfucker. Like that's yeah. what I like. I want to like, he is a bad motherfucker. Like he started out with first person in his family to graduate high school, first person not to go to jail in three generations. Like, and look what this motherfucker did. Like, this is cra some crazy shit. And I think about that when I make my podcast now. It's like, my son and my daughter will one day listen to this when I'm yeah. long after I'm gone. And so Johan, he loses his dad. I think he's 12 years old. And what he would do is he would go, when he had a big decision to make in his life, he would go to his dad's grave. And he'd talk to him. He would talk to him as if he was still alive. The shit makes me want to fucking cry. And, uh, and he said he'd leave. He's like, all right, thanks, dad. He'd go home, go to bed. And the next morning, he'd have the answer he's looking for. And so the, what I learned from that book, the most powerful idea from that book is like, man, it's not just my life extends way past me. When I am gone, I'm going to have influence. And the decisions I'm making today will have influences on my children. The way I think about this now is like my, my dad's father died when I was like four years old, right? But he was born. He was like around my age. He was like 38 years old, living in Havana, Cuba, when Castro took over. And he had no education no money. He had a wife and a baby boy. And that baby is my father. And he's like, something told him, I got to get the fuck out of here. This is some bad shit, but I have no money, no education. I'm going to go to a country. I don't know anybody. And he took that giant risk. So that decision by a man I never met or that I can't remember meeting changed the entire trajectory of my life. And that's why I like, I'm an evangelist for reading biographies because you see the full scope of a person's life. Their, their, the people that their family before they were born, what their circumstances were, them as a child, them as they're building the company, and then them as they, they die. And it just changes the way that you're going to make decisions in your life. That, a, that is a That's fantastic a, lesson. That was awesome, man. And and I, I'll just back up, add to what you just said there. Like for, for me as well, personally, just like growing up, the only books I basically read as a kid were autobiographies and biographies. They're always my favorite. So a book, as I got older, I, I ended up, um you know reading other stuff but like again not to make this into like a therapy session but what i kind of learned later in life was you know when you're going through bad stuff basically you and you're in an environment you don't want to be in or whatever you have to kind of imagine right you have to like f like you have to dream and you have to think like okay how do i get out of this and the only way to do it sometimes is like either watching movies and like some people get into that or like reading a book and for me it was always like for me, like entrepreneurs, like that was just something I was always interested in, and and like reading that book and be like, wow, like they made this happen from nothing, and they and they they were in a similar situation to me, or even worse, and yep. and like so, I think that is obviously you draw a great strength from reason. it. Exactly, like, exactly. Uh, yeah. When when Kobe's going through all these problems in his beginning of his career, right? He talks about, hey, I picked up Jackie Robinson's autobiography and realized, oh, I don't have problems. Like you yeah. put it in a historical context, the perspective. Like, that Jackie Robinson went through some shit. I'm getting paid millions of dollars. 
things aren't going that well right now in my basketball career from Kobe's perspective. So he's like, I'll just pick up this book. And then he, and he drew strength from it. And then he puts yeah. it down. He's like, okay, I'm ready to go again. Yeah. And then David, another one, uh, if we've got time, yeah, um, sure. linked to kind of what you just said there about the importance of your parents. Um, on the flip side, the one that I really loved w that you did was Francis Ford Coppola and the role sure. of his dad. And for people who don't know, you know, he made The Godfather and eventually his dad, who was a musician, ended up, I think, yeah, he, Trung definitely knows <laughs> I hear Trung talk about Coppola all the time. I talk <laughs> yeah, about him true. a lot. I am, um, yeah, anyways, go ahead. But yeah, I don't want to uh, say the full story, but essentially, like, what, he had a not so great relationship with his dad in the beginning, it seems like. But yeah. was there anything especially that you, you took from that one? So you never know when a line will just hit you and you'll never forget it. I, that was... Like I read that, you know, probably 20 or 30 books ago. And um, there's a line in the book that says, uh, you can always understand the son by the story of his father. The, fa the story of the father is embedded in the son. Since that, I've, I may have said that on every single podcast since then. That's I said good. in the Kobe thing, because you realize like Joe was kind of a fuck up and Kobe was like the opposite. And it's like, Joe's out here cheating on his wall. Well, I guess they all cheat, my bad. <laughs> so that's a bad example. Kobe's out there, or Joe's out there because um, he gets caught with another woman no, he's, in a he's car. Not dedicate to the craft like you mentioned yeah so like joe is out here you know gambling doing cocaine and drinking alcohol and kobe is like 19 years old in la and won't even go out to like he's just working all the time like they're completely opposites and so the, I, now i and i've been a huge like not i wasn't a fan of like lakers or like i love basketball but like i've been a fan of how kobe approached his work way before he died and now even after reading a ton about him or, or listening to him speak now i have an even better understanding i was like oh the story of the father is embedded in the son. Um, and so in Francis Ford Coppola's part, his father was a musician and he said fucked up shit, shit to his kids. Like there can only be one genius in the family and you're not it. Like who, I have kids. Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's crazy, right? Like, like what is wrong with you? There was another thing that just happened. I, I just read the 60 year old biography of Thomas Edison and same thing. Like some of these stories you don't even believe where like uh, Thomas Edison, when he's like six years old, try to burn down like the family barn. Obviously don't do that. Don't do arson. But his father's reaction was bizarre where he put up flyers in the little town they're in and saying, Hey, show up in the town square on Saturday morning to watch me beat the fuck out of my kid. Come on. And swear to God. Wow. So he beats the fuck out of them and they show up. There's like, it's like their form of entertainment. You know what I mean? So like you have a hard time understanding how you could do this to your children. And so when I get read the Francis Ford Coppola biography, I'm like, how do you deal with that? And then you realize it's like, oh, hurt people hurt people. The entire time, his father is striving to be successful as a musician and he just fails and fails and fails. And he got to the point where he had a hard time holding down a job. And as a byproduct of that, he, he didn't look internal, right? He didn't say, well, I must be doing something wrong. This, yeah, is, this, is, the, this is why I like, have to be very selective who I keep around me because there's, there's a lot to dislike in humanity, right? In human nature, like we're fatally flawed in my opinion. So it's not like, oh, that, oh I, I, I should do something. Maybe should practice more. Maybe find a different opportunity. He's like, no, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I know the problem. I'm just going to hate on all the successful people. Francis Ford Coppola's dad would have been on Twitter. Let's just put it that way. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Like, he'd that's be what he would have been. He'd be one of those basically. And so, like, oh, you're, right. you're right. He'd be Skip Billis. Oh, LeBron, man. Three <laughs> rings, three and seven in the finals, four and six in the finals. And, and what do you do? Exactly. Like, so, um, like, Michael Jordan's not going around leaving 
negative comments on people's YouTube videos. Like he's too busy. Like he's you watching. Know, actually, you know what I, mean? like, uh, I do want to do a segue. Here's like a quick one is uh, I, f- I finally got to watch that. Uh, do you ever see Jordan talk about who he thinks the greatest of all time is? And you've, you've probably seen Dr. this. Jay? Yeah, no, but he said to your, uh, I think you've mentioned it in your previous chats. He obviously, David Thompson was a, a big yeah. influence. He said his most recent one that I saw was a couple of years ago. He says, I don't play that game anymore. And and you've talked about this with Kobe and I've heard you mention is like, he just thinks everybody learns from everyone, right? Just pass it along. No, no, that, yeah. So he, he does that. It. And then he also he, says it's a team. Like you, if you're going to debate, you have to debate this is a team game. You have yeah. to say, hey, my 91 Bulls versus whoever. But let me just tie the principal Kobe thing. Why is that important? Because Coppola was known as being an absolute savage for he would work. He'd fall asleep at the editing. Like he'd fall asleep editing a movie, wake back up and start again. So something happened where he sees the, the unsuccess, the lack of success that his dad has, and it turns on a switch. And Coppola, I think, strongly made this point when he was on Jim's podcast, Infinite Loops with, um, is it Rob Henderson? Yeah, Rob Henderson, legend. We got to talk about Eric Jorgens before he bounced off too. We can't forget that. Um, but you made the point. He's like, well, he put up a decade, maybe like one of the greatest runs. I think it's one of the greatest runs in maybe the, you know what I mean? Like, and you, and you'd have to, I I actually looked through it. I'm like, okay, who else has had the latest creative runs? Like, so basically between 72 and 79, he made golf other one golf other two conversation apocalypse. Now easily three of the 15 top movies uh, taken on conversation. And then the other ones that I thought like, Oh, what's comparable. Like the Beatles had about a four year run in the sixties where they did I, mean, I think two or three of the most important albums ever. Um, I think that I don't know anybody else that it kind of has that level of, uh, 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 uh of consistent. What, what the sad part is he hasn't even touched anything since. Right. And he made, he went ahead. He had to, like, he made so little money for the success he had. Yeah. That he winds up making way more money selling wine than he ever did. Off, off <laughs> wine, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's do this. Uh, I, I think I, I'm going to have to do something related to taking my kids to school. So yeah. do this. Um, let's talk about Jorgensen. Um, okay. I, I didn't know what we want to talk about. Could you just give us a super 30 second lesson from Schwarzenegger? Because I also really enjoyed oh, that. Oh, that was a good one oh. too. I, I was and, listening to that when we spoke yeah. a few days ago. So actually. there's there's two two things you need with um, with uh, Schwarzenegger. Arnold. He has... Uh, he has Everybody knows his total recall biography. It's like huge. I read it. It's like 600 pages or something like that. He wrote it when he was like a 70 year old man. Amazing book. One of my best books ever. There is a lesser known biography because it's not even an autobiography. He wrote when he was uh, 30. He had not yet gone into movies or he just started making the transition, but it's, it's called the education of a bodybuilder. It's not a book about bodybuilding. You read the first 113 pages. It is a 113 page autobiography of his first 30 years of his life. And it's Arnold saying, Hey, you see all the traits that I have and how I got to top my profession in bodybuilding. I'm going to use those, that same framework and I'm going to dominate. I'm going to build a business empire. I'm going to get to the top of movies. Amazing. I'm going to do whatever I want. He calls a shot. Uh, so Arnold's easy. Uh, there's a million different things you could say, but it, his whole thing is like everything in life is reps, reps, reps. So it's just like, I it. if I wanted to be a good bodybuilder, I had to do 10 and you know, more than 10,000, hundreds of thousands of reps. If I wanted to learn how to speak English without, you know, where you could actually understand me, I had to do it, you know, three hours a day, every day, forever. If I wanted to, he winds up making like his first million dollars in real estate. If I wanted to learn how to do real estate, I had to do real estate deal after do a real estate deal. But that's what I think a lot of people don't understand. It's like they compare where they're at now to where this person is, even like with founders. So like founders is great now. Yeah, but go listen to episode two, go listen to episode three, go listen to like, it took me five years to even get to an okay part where I like, I listened to past podcasts. I'm like, I could have said that in, you know, 
two paragraphs instead of a page. I, oh, I forgot to tie in that thing. Like, I think it was like watching game tape, you know, like, oh, I, I see the mistakes and the stuff I wouldn't do today. Um, and so I think that's just really important. It's just like, man, everything takes a lot of time. Uh, Steve Jobs is the best example of that, where like, he's remarkable in the sense that he built uh, successful products in the 1970s, 1980s, 1990s, 2000s, and then 2010, right before he that's died with the point. iPad. But like, if you look at his, like, even though he made great, great, uh, great products when he was like 20, 21, it's like his best product didn't come till three decades in his career. That's, yeah. that's the story for everybody. It, I do not read one book where, the, where a guy or a woman has an idea. It's like, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do X. I start doing X and I'm great at it. It's like, no, I want to do this. Oh shit, I got knocked down. I got to get back up. I make a little bit of progress. I get knocked down over and over and over again. It takes decades to do anything of worth doing. Beautiful. So rep, everything is reps, reps, reps. That's yeah. All right, let's hit it. Let's hit it with uh, Jorgensen because you're definitely coming back. So, the, so we, the we, talked about, we were talking about Jorgensen uh, right before we, because um, we're all friends with him. We think his book, if you have not read The Almanac of Naval, I keep it out all the time. So this is what the book will look like when I'm done. Like I have tons of things with it. Jack did the uh, the um, illustrations, which are absolutely fantastic. You can also read the book for free. I think it's at like the Navalmanac.com or something. Just Google it. But we were talking about just how amazing this book is for anybody that's working in anybody. It's applicable to anybody building a business on the internet, right? Which we all are. But I think there's applicable ideas to, to things that are offline as well. But what I would say is um, go listen to, he just did, I called Eric the other day because I heard him. He was, Biology has like this, this like writing school or something. It's like writing something. It's called like 1729 or something. But I oh, was yeah, listening yeah. to- I, 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 I do know that. Yeah. Okay. So I, I heard Eric uh, with my friend Camila that uh, he was getting interviewed and it was for Biology's thing. And he's like, he mentioned, he goes, oh yeah, I did an eight hour Zoom the other day with Biology. And so I call Eric. I was like, what the hell was that like? And Eric's like, intense <laughs> so he just edited that down eric has a podcast um we should link it down below it's called jorgensen soundbox but it's episode 48 it is if you want four hours i think it's four hours if you want four hours of biology uh go listen to it uh i'm like two hours into it it's three hours and 52 minutes long <laughs> is that a new episode i haven't i haven't uh, listened to that one yet it came out like a week ago Nice. Yeah. And so that it came from the fact that because Bology is like getting behind Eric. I don't know if we, we said this on air or not, but Eric's writing just like he wrote the Almanac of the Ball. He's writing the Almanac of Bology. Yeah, uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And so it's going to be out, I think, Q1 of next year. Um, and so that eight hour long <laughs> Zoom was prepped for it's got a lot of that's going to show up in the book. Incredible. Unreal. Amazing, man. It was intense. <laughs> <laughs> I got to man. So wait, uh, let me leave on this because David, you'll laugh. So David, you've been thinking about podcasts for six years. Bilal is very professionalized in podcasting. He used to do it in the studio. And the funny thing about NIA, you can probably wrap a bow with this, is I didn't get a proper mic until like episode seventy five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now that I a, got it, that's a key. Me and you have the same mic now. But yeah. no, that's the key though, because everybody call, they hit me up. They're like, "Hey, what equipment do you use?" I'm like, "Dude, I used a hundred dollar mic for the first like 200 episodes. Like, Bro, it, it doesn't I matter. It, it doesn't matter. Next to my desk, I've got it here. Yeah. This is the one I travel with. It's fifty dollars, but it matters. It does. It's good enough. It needs to be good enough. Still, yeah, it can't but. have. It can't be fucking terrible. But like, yeah, like uh, Alexis Rivas, who's the founder of Cover, is one of the most important, like, impressive modern day founders. Now, he's building like this this startup on how to build houses. 
like in a faster way to use technology and everything else. Um, he's raised like 80 or $100 million from some crazy people. But anyways, like I met him through the podcast and he told me, he's like, yeah, I was listening to episode four the other day. I was like, oh, please don't. And he goes, <laughs> he goes the sound yeah. quality sucks, but you can still learn. He's like, it's, and I was like, that's the mentality. He's like, I don't give He's like, I'm learning. I'm listening to this to learn something that'll benefit my career. If it's going to be shitty because you didn't know what you were doing, I don't give a shit. I'm like, that's a, that's a really, I, thank you for telling me that. I was like, that's a, that's a fantastic uh, mindset. And yeah. it's just the difference between people that really want it and people are like, oh, I'm not going to do this because it sounds... All right. Kick rocks, dude. Yeah, hey, hey, Trung, you just uh, had a two-hour podcast with David and Bilal. How was it? Intense. <laughs> <laughs> it was intense. Trung Man, loves... I, I might... on, he's got a side hustle as a, as a voiceover guy <laughs> now. Okay, yeah. Uh, all right. My uh, my family You're just rolled called. down. Uh, that's uh, we got a boogie. That's, all right. that's my sign. Yeah, we got all a right, boogie. Man. David, appreciate you coming on, man. This was amazing, man. We'll definitely dude. do it again. I'm appreciate big fans love of you the guys. Pod. Yeah, Thank likewise, you. I'm man. Big fans yeah, you. Mad respect for what you do. And uh, yeah, go support our boy. Go go and uh, subscribe to his the pod. Let us know what you think podcast. of this. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Cheers. Cheers.